With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody, and welcome to show 129 of 40 Going On 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And I'm Josh. And if I've learned one thing from watching many, many hours of John Cusack movies, it's that if John Cusack is staying at a hotel or motel, you want to find a different hotel or motel. I know, right? He's, he's like a like a male Angela Lansbury. <laughs> yeah, but Wait, only what? when it comes to, like, hotels and motels. <laughs> What? Death follows him is what that means. Male Angela Lansbury. Well, everywhere that, that she goes in murder, she wrote, someone dies. Perhaps she was the murderer. That's what I think. She wrote. I think not. She was the original Dexter. Wow, that would actually be a really messed up show there. <laughs> now we got a all remake right. planned. All right, let's all right. just to ABC. Cool. So, all right. So, if in case you hadn't picked up on the, all the uh, Angela Lansbury talk. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing a profile of Angela Lansbury. Yeah, then, no. that's exactly what we're doing. Uh, no, John Cusack. 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 In the, uh, we're putting this in the About Friggin' Time uh, file. Because it's 129 shows, and we have not talked about any of uh, John Cusack's movies, even though all of us, I am going to say, are fans. Some more than others, but yeah, we're all fans. Yeah. Yeah. I, myself, am a huge fan of John Cusack. I'm right in the middle. I'm a big fan. Um, I could take him or leave him. I mean, I'm a fan. I don't dislike him. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, I'm I'm probably on the opposite end of Mike with regards to our spectrum. Hmm. All right, so let's get into some listener feedback. Uh, before that, do we want to talk about what you could do if you were wanting to hear about geek culture then and now, Saturdays at noon? No. Nope. <laughs> well, damn it, I'm talking about Geek Life Radio. Curse you and your plugs. <laughs> Josh's hair is natural. <laughs> and my plugs listen to Geek Life Radio, where you can find us in between stick twiddlers and turnbuckle throwbacks. Noon on Saturdays. Indeed. And if you'd like to check out our archives, you can always do that uh, by navigating to iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, or TalkShoe, where TalkShoe has all of the shows. And uh, almost all the shows are up on all the services now. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, when Josh says navigate, he means just, like, point your browser at these things. No, not like I mean get a, charts. Yeah, and charts and sextants and that sort of yes. thing. You know. And if you want to call us and uh, let us know if you have an idea for a show or anything like that, just give us a call at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. Orienteering. That was the joke. Orienteering, yes. Yeah, I couldn't think of the damn word. I had a joke in my head I was going to use. That's what we talked I, about orienteering like two weeks ago. Yeah, I know, and I was going to like pull a deep cut kind of thing, but it just like, it didn't come to me what it orienteering. Oh, too soon. Are you done? Can I talk I about the email address like, now? <laughs> <laughs> if you'd like to remind Pat 
If you'd like to remind Pat what orienteering is, you can do so at 40go14 at gmail.com or reach out to us at Twitter at 40go14. Right. Orienteering. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So listener feedback. Uh, we have an email, several tweets, and a voicemail. Yeah. You want to start out with the email? Yeah. Let's start out with the email. So, Mix it uh, up a bit. Astute listener, Martha Bueller Sullivan says, uh, hey, guys, I loved your book show. As a librarian, I can't help but ask some follow-up questions. Uh-oh, shit. Uh-oh. Um, no, she didn't write that. Uh, as kids, did any of you ever get in trouble for reading? I had one memori- memorable? Memorable. Well, shit. I've discovered... <laughs> remember I've been talking about how three beers is perfect? One's gonna be fun. Well, I've had one bottle of wine, so... Oh, boy. Uh, so one experience as a fifth grader where I got caught reading in between spelling test questions. <laughs> Wow, that's also weird. known as cheating. Yeah, it honestly did not occur to me why I got into got into trouble until I was an adult. Uh, are any of you obligation finishers? If you are reading a book and not enjoying it, do you feel obligated to finish what you started, or can you put it down and walk away? Personally, I think there are too many good books in the world to waste time on something that sucks. But I know a lot of people who can't stop a book in the middle. Also, I was a little sad graphic novels didn't get any love in the episode, especially since I know Josh is doing the 52 comics and 2016 challenge with me, and Joe Dane. Are you a comic trade paperback readers? Any graphic novels that you've enjoyed recently? Thanks, guys. Looking forward to the next episode. Gross Point Blank is one of my favorite movies. Martha. That's a lot of questions, man. I, I don't think know graphic I... novels could be their own show. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what I was going to say. And the obligation finishers reminds me <laughs> that I promised something in the first half of the book show that I failed to pay off. I uh, said that I would get back to talking about Stephen King's Dark Tower series. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Which I only finished out of obligation. Uh, that's really? a series that starts out super, super strong with uh, the man in black fled across the desert and the gunslinger followed. Like one of the best opening lines to a book. And the, by like book two's good, book three's okay, it kind of, and book four's good again. But by like five and six, it gets freaking weird. And like Stephen King starts appearing in his own book, and there are a couple of bad ones. But it's just like you know, I've been working on this series for like two decades. When I finally got to the last one, I was like, I haven't enjoyed this for two books, but <laughs> I gotta finish it. And actually, the ending was all right. See, and that's just it. If you if you give up halfway, sometimes, and I found with film as much as anything else, uh, sometimes the finish ends up being better and makes the beginning make more sense or more worthwhile. So I, I'm I finish out of sheer. Yeah, I guess obligation is a good word, but I'm not Persistence. a Persistence. Right. I've only I've only walked out of a couple of movies and stopped reading a couple of books in my life, but I'm getting a little more open to it as I get older. I am totally a quitter on the books. If I'm not enjoying a book, screw it. I'm done. It takes yeah. I just have I don't have a lot of time to read. And, I can see that. And if I'm going to read something, if I read the first four chapters and I'm like not digging it or I'm not getting it, in four chapters, if you can't get a groove going in your book, I'm I'm done. I put it down, don't think about it again. Until the next time I go to the library and I go, Ooh, look at the pretty picture on that book. <laughs> and then four chapters <laughs> in, I'm like, This sounds familiar. Wait a minute, I've stopped reading this before. Yes, exactly. Um and for uh getting in trouble for reading, yes, all the time. Uh under the covers with the flashlight uh i don't i mean not so much at school i kind of got in trouble because uh, i went i went to a lutheran school and they were kind of weird on the whole um we talked about a little bit in the uh um uh, origins no not in the origin show in the uh, uh choose your own adventure books show that i got because i did the ones with the dice 
And during quiet reading time, when you suddenly hear dice rolling, <laughs> they're like, what are you doing? I, I need to roll. I have to fight the scorpion. I'm throwing bones. Leave me alone, woman. I'm on a roll. Yeah. So, but yes, I am not an obligation finisher. If I'm not enjoying a book, I put it down and walk away. I, I think that occasionally, if something drew you to the book, but you couldn't finish it, maybe over the years, like revisiting some of the ones you've quit on, if you have the time, might be worth it. Because I struggled like four or five times to finish Salem's Lot, another Stephen King one. And when I was finally, finally soldiered through it, I actually enjoyed it. That's cool. what I'm talking about. So... Um, but getting in trouble, uh, unless it was pornography, I was reading pornography. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I didn't the articles. In trouble. And, and I'm, a, I'm big on finishing because I don't want anybody to leave unsatisfied. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Okay. All right, so uh, time for a voicemail? <laughs> yeah. Uh, Here we go. Hey, fuckers. Hey, Charlie. Uh, I don't want to settle these. He's not exciting. I think remarkable. Very boring, my dear. Very boring. That's sped up. What the hell he, just happened? Did he turn into Max Headroom? I think he's on the speed. Is someone dead? What? Everyone report in. Mike reporting in. Joel reporting out. <laughs> so what? We got it? Josh. Stay on target. <laughs> <laughs> so Charlie, thank you for that. Whatever that was. Yes. Do we have any other voicemails? No, I'm was not actually sure that was once. Somewhere a splinter cell has been activated. Oh my god! Here we go again. Do you have like the settings off or something? Hey, like, is it... hey Charlie, uh, I don't want to settle these. He's not anything exciting. Because you remarkable. can speed up things. No. I, no, I didn't do it. I didn't even preview it, obviously. Yeah. Well, well thank you, Charlie. If I, I had Charlie it, I could slow it down. down. I, I hope you enjoy your new life with the Borg. <laughs> <laughs> what about tweets? We had tweets, didn't we? I will not be ignored! <laughs> and we will remember you as that. <laughs> as you were. Yeah. I hope it gets to the shop and gets fixed. All right. So what about tweets? You said we had tweets. Yes, we did have tweets. Uh, people asking the question that was posed, I believe, by you earlier uh, about people's favorite John Cusack movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I... we got a bunch. Uh, let's see. Uh, from Nikki from New Zealand. She said, serendipity. It's okay if you want me to stop listening now. <laughs> Aw, it's okay. <sighs> we would have given up on her earlier already on the boy band issue. So if we're going to go, if we're going to stick with her past that, she's fine now. Uh, Randall Holt said he was always partial to Gross Point Blank. Hmm. And uh, Annalise uh, from Dark Angels and Pretty Freaks agrees. Gross Point Blank. Gross Point Blank has a special place in my heart. I won't lie. Especially because yeah. I kill people for a living. <laughs> <laughs> he does. No, shh, don't tell. So anyway, um, is it about that time? Oh, it's totally about that time. All right. This weekend... Music. Movies. <laughs> and TV. And that's a shame to throw away a perfectly good sports quote like that. <laughs> All right, so uh, that's, that is a great... Every time. Yeah, uh, we haven't heard the Josh uh, Dubstep remix in a while, so no. glad to hear it back, come back. Oh, yeah. So uh, this weekend, August 8th, 1986, that is the release of One Crazy Summer. Why we chose? Why would you? Why did you go with uh, One Crazy Summer? Oh, I don't know. Okay, it's well so that's good. good. All right, so music. 1986, "The Glory of Love" by Peter Cetera is the top song in the land, <sighs> for some reason or another. Everybody Peter was suffering Cetera. from carbon monoxide poisoning. I think uh, Lionel Richie's "Dancing on the Ceiling" is released this week, along with "Orgasmatron" by Motorhead. Yes, yeah. "Dancing on the Ceiling." <laughs> 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 why is that song so good? <laughs> 
So, uh, movies, Aliens is the number one movie in America. Oh. Followed by The Karate Kid, more karate oh. <laughs> You missed an important bit there. Yeah. What did I miss? Karate oh, Karate Kid 2. Yeah, see, I Why would you do that? You know I don't know Roman numerals. <laughs> karate Kid Damn two, it. more karate. Who put a question mark in the, on yeah, the, the Karate Kid two. The Karate Kid. E more karate. <laughs> the leg, Johnny, again. Uh movies released this week include the aforementioned One Crazy Summer, along with She's Gotta Have It, Stand By Me, and Transformers the Movie. <laughs> you got the power. <laughs> You got touch. <laughs> wow, we got uh, two of those that featured John Cusack. One that uh, a director that we are going to talk about later with John Cusack and Transformers. Yep. Which what does John Cusack transform into? He transforms into a cup of coffee with skim milk. Oh, and a Victrola. <laughs> a Victrola. Victrola. Yeah, I know. From High Fidelity. Oh, okay. We'll roll with that then. Same oh. High Fidelity thing. Got it. I thought it was some Italian guy. <laughs> Hey, Vic. Uh, okay, Joel, stop it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> TV, The Cosby Show, and Family Ties are the top two shows. Because it's the 80s. Yes. Meredith Baxter boobies. And mm-hmm. uh, August 13th, Rod Roddy becomes a permanent announcer of the long-running daytime game series. Uh-oh, acronym of the week is TPIR. That's a total penile inversion <laughs> ray. If you fail to answer the question, they shoot you with the ray and turn your dick inside out. Oh, Oh, how topical. (laughs) (laughs) That's not going to feel good. Oh, God. No, that is uh, obviously the price is right. Oh, Oh, apparently not so obvious. Replacing the deceased Johnny Olson. All right, so sports. On August 3rd, Wooly McCovey, Bobby Doerr, Ernie Lombardi were inducted into the MLB Hall of Fame. True story. There you go. Yep. Uh, the Texas Rangers outscored the Baltimore Orioles 13-11 on August 7th in a game that featured a still record three grand slams in regulation innings. Wow. I bet I could eat more than that. <laughs> I was just thinking, man, I haven't had a grand slam in a long time. Uh, the, and how many moons over my hammies did they have? <laughs> oh, my God. I love moons over my hammy. That's Aren't good they delicious? Stuff. They are. Mm-hmm. Uh, Denny's, so, the place there, the water gives me gas. <laughs> Oh, that's so Waffle House. Mm. That's no, that joke. was Denny's. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the Orioles' bases loaded home runs were both hit in the fourth inning, the first by Larry Sheets and the other by Tim Jim Dwyer to break the major league record. Toby Hara hit his grand slam in the second inning for the Rangers. So the record was that only one was team. Two. There was a couple. There's a bunch of games with two. Really? That they came along and got three total. Oh, wow. Yeah, but like hitting a home run with the bases loaded, that does not happen very often. No. All right, so uh, Don Baylor gets hit by a pitch for a record 25th time in a season on August 12th. He was just a, a fresh. <laughs> I'm like, they may be aiming for him. <laughs> it reminds me of the Cheers episode where Coach starts bragging about how he used to like perfect getting hit by a pitch so he could get on base. <laughs> Remember that one? No. Oh, they, they get Shelly Duvall. He goes down to the pool room where you can't see the other end, and Shelly Duvall throws a ball. He's like, throw it anywhere. I'll, I'll get hit by it. And she throws it down the hall, and you just hear this noise. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers was a great show. I wish yeah. we can. If anybody out there can think of something that we can equate to Cheers to Two the now. Girls, so I'm not no. doing that. No. So I am not doing that. Oh, Cheers and Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <gasps> Two totally different types of sitcoms, though. Yeah. But they take place in a bar. More or yes, less. There are people. And yes, and they have drinks. 
And they wear shirts. And everybody has lips. They're a half an hour each. Danny DeVito and Rhea Perman. They're married in real life. Oh, Danny Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito show. Yeah. All right. So, but now we are doing the main show. That was this weekend. Uh, So John Cusack, born June 28th, 1966. He is a Chicagoan. He is born in Evanston, Illinois. Yeah, normally as a longtime resident of the actual city of Chicago, I would uh, make a quibble about calling him a Chicagoan, but Evanston is practically Chicago. Evanston's pretty damn close. Yeah. Well, and and you can still reach it by the, by, by the, the L. It's still Chicago. Well, and he is such a like uber supporter of all things Chicago that. Yeah. You got to give him status, even though he's just a little outside. Yeah. He makes, he, he makes a lot of his movies film in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Exactly. Um, High Fidelity, a lot of that was shot in Oak Park. In yep. fact, uh, okay, but story for later. Um, uh, <laughs> Cusack graduated. <laughs> he just rewound himself. Yeah, rewound myself, and I apparently transformed into a Victrola. Uh, <laughs> hey, Vic. Cusack graduated from Evanston Township High School in 1984, where he met Jeremy Piven. And then spent a year at New York. And then he puked him out onto all of us. <laughs> and put him in his movies a lot. Mm. Then he spent a year at New York University and then dropped out, saying that he had too much fire in his belly. Huh. Mm. I got a friend that has that, but that's just from drinking Fireball. I was going right. to say, you guys had that, but it was pretty much because too much fire in your brain. I was going to say booty, but <laughs> same difference. Billy, booty. Billy, booty, same thing. All right, so Cusack is a fan of both the Chicago Cubs and the Chicago White Sox, for which he says he is in trouble in Chicago. I can okay. see that. Yeah. That's not, you don't, you can't play both sides. No. I mean, I so Andy Dick that. You're, you're a fan of the Chicago White Sox or you live in the suburbs. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, um... This this is actually what I think is the most interesting thing about him, the kickboxing thing. He is a like several degree black belt kickboxing guy. He says that's his actually his most not I wouldn't say famous, but that's his most um proud accomplishment, I guess. I've heard him say in a couple of interviews. Um he trained in kickboxing under former world kickboxing champion Benny Oh, this is, thank you. Yeah, Urquidas. 20 years. He began training under him in preparation for his role in Say Anything and currently holds the rank of a level six black belt. Wow. In, you, what is that? Yukito Dan? Or, or Urquidas. No, no, no. Ukido Dan. Uh, Okido Dan. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. Okido Kan. Okido Kan. Yeah. Yes. Isn't that what Ryu screams in Pure No. <laughs> oh. Ukido Kan! It's kind of close. <laughs> I, it would, it's interesting that, like, we've seen him act with uh, Wesley Snipes, and they're both, like, black belts. It would have been awesome if, like, on the set of Chirac, they had bust into a fight. It wouldn't have been appropriate for their characters, but... Maybe there's some behind-the-scenes stuff. Maybe they jacked around with each other a little. Wesley Snipes just called it a belt. <laughs> nah. Well, uh, he is also uh, very politically-minded. Yeah, 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 politically right. active, I'd say. Yeah, I think he falls under the libertarian belt. And uh, 2015, he thought up and organized a meeting with Edward Snowden, Daniel Ellsberg, and uh, Arunde Roy in Snowden's Moscow hotel room. One of the four of them all sat down and apparently had coffee and chatted up here. But uh, oh, they, they just played gin. Listen to Victrola, <laughs> right? They played, char- <laughs> they played charades. Edward Snowden kept doing, uh, you know, backdoor and. We Stop. get it, Edward. Stop. Stop. All right, oh. so... Wiki, wiki. Here's the thing. John Cusack has done a lot of movies, and we're not screwing around here. He has... Yeah, we could not possibly have seen them all. Right. And um, 
a lot of these movies were very much under the radar because they're, they're indie, indie stuff. I mean, he is very much the guy who does whatever comes across his plate. If he likes it, he'll do it, that sort of thing. He's, I mean, all over the platter on, uh, character wise. I mean, whereas like, you know, say John, uh, say Cruz, Tom Cruise has been playing pretty much the same character his entire life. Mm, I don't know that that's. In True at all. John Claude Van Damme. Keanu Reeves says. Keanu Reeves. Yeah, Keanu, sure. Okay, Keanu let's go Reeves. with Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves has been playing Ted uh, or Bill <laughs> for his entire life. John Whoa. Cusack very rarely is playing the same character in the next in the movie afterwards. I mean, the thing is though, all his characters are, I think, one, they're flawed. He he's very much in playing the flawed character, and two, his characters always, for some reason, are. I mean, they're very grounded and very relatable. Yes, he is kind of an everyman, and he can, yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, you see him on the screen, you're like, I could be that dude. I could be friends with that dude. I could well, listen to Victrola with that dude. Yeah, well, there's so <laughs> many, there's so many movies where you're like, I totally get it. I can completely, uh, you know, I I understand this one. I, you know, I could be him. I feel like I know what he's going through. Uh, his first movie was Class, where he played opposite Rob Lowe and Andrew McCarthy and Jacqueline Bisset, and uh, this was a pretty much a teen sex comedy yeah i think i may have seen this uh, but i'm not positive it was I, almost I've, like an updated uh the graduate yeah i vaguely of. remember it yeah because so, he plays he plays a guy who gets seduced by an older lady mm-hmm. i thought he got seduced by rob Lowe. <laughs> so and Doesn't then everyone well eventually? yeah i mean seriously I he's just making the rounds really uh then after that in 1984 16 candles he played bryce all of us have seen 16 candles and he played a very small role in this one Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's just one of the background geeks. Yeah. Nobody's seen uh, 1984's Grandview USA. Where so, he played Johnny Maine. Yeah, opposite Jamie Lee Curtis and Patrick Swayze. And C. Thomas Howell. Why have we not seen this? Have you seen C. Know. Thomas Howell lately? Well, Holy this God. was before his I've fall. I've heard of it. Oh, my God. Jamie Lee Curtis, Patrick Swayze, C. Thomas Howell, Jennifer Jason Lee, Carol Cook... John Cusack, Joan Cusack, M. Emmett Walsh, Michael Winslow, Troy Donahue, and Steve Dahl. What? I like I like uh, C. Thomas Howell a lot because his name is a sentence. <laughs> <laughs> uh, shut up. Thanks man. for keeping us grounded, Pat. <laughs> All right. So uh, after that, he uh, in 1985 he made the Sure Thing. This is this is his uh, I guess the first one where he plays the f- full front and center character. Yeah. Well, in this one, he plays Walter uh, Gibb Gibson, and he is traveling cross-country to meet a girl who is 100% ready to have sex with him. Oh. Pretty much. It's nice. a sure thing. Especially if that someone is Daphne Zuniga. Mm. Yes. So, uh, but on the way, he uh, he meets up with Nicolette Sheridan. Oh, so she is the sure thing? Wait, wait. Yeah, Nicolette Sheridan is a sure thing. Alison ah. Bradbury, Daphne Zuniga, Zuniga is the... Uh, is the one that travels with him. Ah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, it's been a long time since I've seen that one. Yeah, me too. And it's not exactly... Good. I saw it in high school. It yeah. was the last time I saw it. Yeah. So, That's like boobies? Pretty much. Yep. But... I, it was, I thought it was a typical booby movie, and it wasn't, so I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention. <laughs> He's like, I'm turning this off and masturbating. Like, there's some substance to this, so forget this. But the same year, magazine. he came out and uh, came out with, uh, as the character Lane Meyer in yeah. Better Off Dead... I think this may be the movie that everybody immediately goes to when they think of uh, John Cusack. It's definitely one of the first ones that people bring up, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. 
Yeah, this is about a, uh, of course, if you have not seen it, what are you doing listening to the show? <laughs> and two, um, it's about a uh, a kid who gets broken up with his girlfriend and then tries to kill himself. Repeatedly. Yeah. How and- was your day, dear? Beth broke up with me. Oh, well, oh, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> French starring fries. A- oh, God. French dressing. Star- starring True Grits. Kim Darby, right as the mother, yeah, yeah. and uh, Booger, yeah. Curtis Armstrong, yes, yeah, oh, he's the best part of the movie by far. Buck up, little, <laughs> little camper, <laughs> little camp. No, 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 that's a, oh. yeah. a buckaroo, something like that. But I, I, this this movie, I watched this couple week, a uh, couple days ago, actually, and it it's very eighties, it's very dated, but there are so many things that make you laugh in this movie. Whether it's uh, Cusack's reaction to his dinner walking off the plate. Yeah. <laughs> See, that yeah, was I, one that uh, yeah. that was a gag that never worked for me, even back when I saw it in the eighties. Really? Well, yeah, I don't know it's why. Got raisins in it. You like well, I, raisins. You like raisins. I think you can credit a lot of that to Savage Steve Holland, the guy that that directed it, because he did One Crazy Summer too, which we'll talk about in a minute. But mm-hmm. he he in all of his films he sprinkles in a little absurdity yeah. to kind of mix it up. And now he's doing Nickelodeon movies, like he did the Fairly Odd Parents live action thing, and he still got that same flair. But back then, I mean, you could get away with that kind of stuff, and people were like, "Oh yeah, it was the '80s, man." What can you exactly? Say? I know. I mean, the whole hamburger scene was the scene that took me out of the movie. I, this this movie is was my favorite movie in high school, and that was the only scene that I didn't like in the whole movie. Oh, the like, the Van hamburger. Halen scene. Yeah, was that was Halen? kind of out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because of Van Halen didn't help. That's for sure. Mm. <laughs> but Charles <laughs> Demar, Curtis Armstrong. Yeah, Curtis Armstrong, and I want my two dollars. Like so classic. Oh. Yeah. And it's super quotable. You make a fine little helper. What's your name? (laughs) Charles DeMar. Shut up, geek. (laughs) Do you know the street value of this mountain? I was going to say, you know what? I uh, one of the one of the lines from this movie that unfortunately is not from John Cusack that I use all the time when I was working I was like, man, why do I gotta be here? I could be at home making this killer eggnog my brother makes with lighter fluid. I use that one all the time. Yeah. Well, I mean, but the thing is about his. Okay, let's get back to the actual person we're talking about. Um, his testicles. <laughs> Nt. Big difference. The thing is, is that in this one is the thing John Cusack actually hits the character where you're just like, I totally, I totally get him. He's been dumped. All of us at one point or another have been dumped. Yep. Patrick, you may deny it, but still, I know you're such a sex bomb. No, it really doesn't have anything to do with that. I don't, I don't think I ever have been. I, I actually think that half the podcast is not. What? You've yeah, never... no, I'm, think, I'm thinking back on it. I, I have had some bad breakups, but I think I initiated all of them. Yeah, same here. What? Now I'm thinking about it. No. I got called out on that a couple No, of no, no, times. bullshit. I am not connect. going into this podcast saying that I'm the only person <laughs> that's ever been dumped. Uh, yeah, I, I've been broken up with. Yeah. That's, that's true. So, but no, you identify. I've, I've been cheated on, but, you know, that it's doesn't kind of like me. saying I'm breaking up by sticking something somewhere. No, but I stayed with them, so. Well, that's on you. But you identify with Lane in this one. Yeah. Oh, definitely, yeah. Yeah, and seriously, Anna, if if Monique... If I had just been broken up with and Monique paid any attention to me whatsoever... Absolutely. This movie made me want my own little foreign exchange student. <laughs> and a badass car. And a well. Wait, what? <laughs> what? Wow, that got dark. <laughs> okay. So, moving on... Yeah. 1985. Uh, Joel, you're the only person that's seen The Journey of Natty Gan. Which I'm pretty sure I saw in school um, for, uh, you know, one of my classes. Oh, it's a Disney flick. Yeah, it's a Disney flick, and it's not bad. I mean, it's it's him being a Disney 
goody kind of character, you know? And okay. again, he plays that kind of guy that you can relate to. So I think that that is, that is an, um, one thing in all his characters. I just, okay. Anyway. Oh, I've seen this one. The journey of, yeah, Nattie I saw Gan? the journey of Natty Gan. So Disney movie, Josh, yeah. you got anything? No, it's a Disney movie. That's like, I, now that I see the poster, I remember having watched it, but I probably, it came out in 85. I probably watched it in 87. Well, just think about 80s live action Disney movies and you've got a pretty good idea what to expect. Got it. So, uh, in the second contractually obligated movies with Savage Steve Holland, John Cusack does One Crazy Summer. Which I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I might actually like better than Better Off Dead. I do too. What? What? Yeah. I think you're wrong. (laughs) Yes. It's not as quotable. I I think that all of the highest moments in Better Off Dead are better than any single point in One Crazy Summer. But I think from beginning to end, this is the better put together movie. Yeah. Yeah, There's no single moment in One Crazy Summer that's as good as the best of Better Off Dead. I'll concede that point right away, but I'm with Joel on this. I think this is better. Although I think the the Bobcat Goldthwait stuck in the Godzilla suit stomping the... The country club or whatever is is pretty damn hilarious. I don't know. I yeah. think one crazy summer of the whole scene where the guy gets buried to his neck in the sand, and then oh, for okay. some reason the guy's got the giant can of baked beans. I <laughs> see. The, the, I don't know. I I like one crazy. I love Better Off Dead and One Crazy Summer. I love them both, but I think I'm I'm definitely with Pat. I'm on the Better Off Dead side on these. Plus, you got cute Demi Moore before she got Demi Moored. Yeah. And Bobcat Goldthwait, and you've got a bunch of character actors that are just great. Plus, you've got, um, who was the, the old guy that played the dad? Not Burgess Meredith, but. John Matuzak? Was that no. Him? No, John Matuzak. Uh, oh, that played. was Stan. Yeah. Well, and... you got, I can't think of his name now, but he yeah, was I a big character actor, did a lot of stuff back then, and he's, it's, it's just a solid, it's, it's totally 80s, though. I mean, it's got all the tropes of an 80s movie, including a yacht race at the end. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> And uh, we've got the return of Curtis Armstrong, and uh, with uh, between Curtis Armstrong and John Matuzak, you've got two of the guys from the Revenge of the Nerds flicks. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah, Ogre, on, Ogre and Booger. Yep. I'm on IMDb right now. Plus, Jeremy Piven is in sure. it. Um, and uh, an John, early John, John Matuzak was not Booger, or was not Ogre. He was William. Yes, no. he, William oh. Hickey. Uh, who was it? Then I'm confusing uh, big football dudes. Uh, I can't remember his name, but he was a he was a Chicago guy, the guy that played uh, Ogre. He used to hang out in the bars down on Division all the time. Oh, John Matuzak is Sloth. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, not Ogre, Sloth. I was. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, okay, you, Ogre was Donald Gibb, but uh, yeah. you know who William Hickey is, though, right? Now that I, oh yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. he played the, the cantankerous old grandpa or whatever, and it just it just it's stinks of everything 80s but that's what makes it so wonderful it's also got a very young taylor negron very mm-hmm. true <clears throat> all right so, so did um better off dead but a lot of people yeah. don't oh, that's right don't know it compared to better off dead it always is kind of in the shadow which i think is unfortunate one of one, one of the my favorite lines in all of one crazy summer is uh with those girls running around with their faces all stuck and it's like man they got a lot of ugly kids around here <laughs> again some more savage steve holland weirdness yep so uh, I am the only person. Well, no, I'm sorry, I'm not skipping the one. Stand, he was in Stand by Me. Now, who yeah. was he in Stand by Me? Daniel Dan- Lachance. 
He was one of the. Uh, he he played the the older brother that, that that died. Yep. Yep. Oh, okay. Remember at the flashback scene at the table. So yeah, Will Wheaton's character's older brother. Yeah. So unfortunately, he was overshadowed in the entire thing by Will Wheaton, River Phoenix, Corey Feldman, Jerry O'Connell, and Kiefer Sutherland. So awesome, awesome movie. But yeah. it's we've already talked about it at least twice. Yeah. Yeah. We all love this movie. We all think it's great. I mean, honestly, it's I think it's in all of our top tens probably. I wouldn't go that far, but I like it. It's close to my top 10. I don't know if it cracks. It might be like 11 or 12. top 25 for sure. Absolutely. Right. So uh, I am the only person that took the time to watch Hot Pursuit years ago. Hot Pursuit. Uh, Hot Pursuit. He misses the plane he was supposed to be on with with his rich girlfriend and then chases after her. He also winds up with Robert Loggia. Uh, to uh, chase down his girlfriend uh, as a sailor. Jerry a... Stiller is in it? Robert Lachia? No, it says Jerry Stiller's in the movie, too. And Ben Stiller. Huh. I actually have seen this. It's been years, <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Josh is going to be doing this, this all night. <laughs> yeah, I will be. Absolutely. Yeah. Basically, it's another movie where he's chasing some tail. But, I mean, again, it seems another one of those contractually obligated movies. It was not good, <laughs> despite... Uh, but I'm, I'm gonna, so Josh, do you remember anything about this movie? I remember the guys who are high, uh, who gave him a ride. Hi. Yeah, so, man. Yeah, right. there were, there were a bunch of guys that were, uh, high on pot. That's, and I vaguely Smoking remember. the wit, the wacky tobacky. Absolutely. And I vaguely remember young Ben Stiller. Right. So, so none of us really remember too much about this movie, but, uh, then he was in broadcast news that William Hurt, Albert Brooks, uh, Shiner. It's actually a really good movie, but I don't. I mean, he he plays a very bit role in this one. So, uh, Tapeheads. That's a um, movie with himself, well, John Cusack, of course. Uh, and, Tim Robbins, uh, Clue Gallagher is in it. Who if you probably know his son more than him, but uh, Doug McClure. Basically, they're the watermelons. No, not not that Gallagher. Weird Clue Gallagher was an old Western actor, but you know him if you saw him. Anyway, a couple of guys um, get into the video music industry and. It's kind of weird. It's a little bit kind of the fringy 80s movies where they're kind of stepping outside of the norm and it's more culty than it is something yeah. you, you really have to want to watch. Jello John Biafra, Bobcat Goldthwait, Michael Nesmith. It's it's interesting. I mean, it's Ted worth Fugin? watching if you're a Cusack fan. Good God. So, yeah. Joel, that movie sounds like an acid trip. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. Nobody has seen Eight Men Out. Uh, I vaguely remember the controversy around it in Chicago, especially among White Sox fans. I mean, it's not going to be something that if you are a Sox fan, you're looking forward to seeing, considering it's a retrospective on the Black Sox scandal. Mm-hmm. And I did see it, but I don't remember anything about it, so I didn't put down that I saw it. No, Christopher Lloyd, Charlie Sheen, D.B. Sweeney, David Stratham, Michael Lerner. I mean, most of the names <clears throat> just play the old the old time team. You know, the big names in the movie. Yeah. But it wasn't until uh, 1989 where he played Lloyd Dobler and Say Anything. The character that he says (laughs) is probably most like him if he didn't have any imperfections. Really? Is Mm -hmm. that a quote? Yeah. Not a a direct quote. It's a paraphrase. Yeah. But he he said something to that effect. The way he said it was like it's a much better version of him if he didn't have any negativity or something like that. I can see that. That's the one with the the boombox and in your eyes. Yep. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah. And he's like, I don't want to buy anything, buy anything sought, bought or processed. I don't want to. I don't want to produce <laughs> anything. And the whole time, John Mahoney's just kind of like looking at him. 
Like, like I'm going to kill you if you touch my daughter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's a great movie. Ioni John- Sky. Mm. Mm. John Mahoney, another uh, Oak Parker, actually. Yep. Yeah. Who I've met. Who they used, used to, to work together at- on the, on the, uh, the stage, I think, is how they got to know each other. At Steppenwolf? Yeah. Yeah. That's where a lot Thanks. of the Chicago guys, Gary Sinise and uh, Malkovich. And, but yep. yeah, um, John Mahoney used to come into the record store every once in a while at Val's Hala. Oh, really? Good friends with Val. Yeah. I've met him a couple times. Nice oh, dude. Very cool. Uh, so, uh, say anything in in, in uh, making thousands of guys trying to get back together with their girlfriends stand outside their windows and holding a boombox in the air. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. It set the tone for... It was really actually, again, he plays another one of those characters where you're like, I totally get him. You know, he's not like he... All of his characters, especially in these type of movies, are very grounded. And this is the movie that got him into kickboxing, too. Yeah, yeah. Which I would never have known if we hadn't done the show, honestly. I'd never realized that. Really? Yeah. Huh. I didn't know that. All right. So, uh. He's, he's an actual badass. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. Seriously. Uh, so 1989, Fat Man and Little Boy came out with, uh, John Cusack, a movie about the creation of the nuclear bombs and the Manhattan yeah. Project. Nobody saw that one. That's what it had to be. Yeah. <laughs> the, this uh... is one that I think I saw, but I, like Pat said, this is one that I didn't, I intentionally didn't mark because I don't remember it well enough to talk about it. Right. But the Grifters, all of us have seen the Grifters. I saw the Grifters today. I was going to make a Jake and so the Fat Guy, Fat Man joke. Oh, well. No, please. Oh, yeah, don't. the Grifters. So Grifters last week. This is a, uh, a movie about a con man who is stuck between his white, his uh, girlfriend and his mom. Uh, yeah, and there are three different sort of con artists. Yeah, there is uh, John Cusack, who's kind of like the swapping bills, uh, shortchanging you type of uh, grifter, and then Angelica Houston, who is actually working for a mobster and changing the odds at the racetracks, and then Annette Benning, who is naked. Very naked at that Well, and she's part of. She wants to get back into the long con game. Yeah, like you masturbate. Yeah, this one I I liked, but I didn't feel good about it. This is one that I've only seen it once. I really was trying to get to it with Juliana getting hurt. I didn't have time because it was on my list for that night. Mm-hmm. I just remember when I first saw it that I really didn't care for it. And I have this feeling that if I watched it now, I would see it with a different set of eyes. Well, this is also well, this is done by uh, Stephen Arthur Frears, who also did High Fidelity um, and produced by Martin Scorsese and has a very Scorsese type of feel to it. It is it's a kind of like a um, a noir and Scorsese was one of our first pro- – I think he might have been the second uh, profile this type of show mm-hmm, that we yeah. did, if you look back in our archives. Yeah, so – but it's – I mean, it's – you want to see what's going to happen to these guy, these people in this movie, and you feel – you feel bad for John Cusack because he's kind of caught in the middle of these two. Well, and Annette Benning is just kind of a shitty person in this movie. Oh, no, she's not kind of. She is completely a shitty person. <laughs> no, wait, did you guys just watch this this week, anybody? I saw it just today. I watched so, it again this week. How did, how did it hold up? I mean, because I assume you'd seen it prior to. I saw it in the theater when it first came out. It holds up. To me, it holds up. I mean, it is, it's not a fun movie. It's not a good movie. It meaning it's not one of those that you're going to come out feeling so much great about your life. But I will say that you, it, it is a, almost like a mystery type crime movie and nobody in this movie is a good person. It's a little off putting, but for a reason that I want to give it credit for, even though, uh, I, I, it made me have difficulty watching it because it does not follow the standard like three act structure that we're used to with modern movies at all. No. 
Uh, and because of that, the story feels a little uneven, but I'm, you know, the modern formula picture, uh, you can kind of see the rhythm of the story coming. And it's a little refreshing to see something that has so far departed from that. So do we all like it? Uh, I mean, I really, I, I, I expected to like it more the second time I watched it, and I, I just didn't. I mean, I don't know. For, for a movie that's titled The Grifters, I expected there to be a lot more grifting. There was a lot of talking about grifting, and there was a lot of calling each other grifters, and there was a lot of flashbacks to actual grifting. But there wasn't a whole lot of actual grifting going on during the movie itself. That word has lost all meaning. You've said it so many times. Hey, <laughs> man, man, are you grifting? Well, that's kind of how it felt like, in the movie. They were like, hey, I'm a grifter. Are you a grifter? Yeah, me too. I'm a grifter. Let's grift together. <laughs> so uh after that oh. in uh also in no 91 he made true colors where he played opposite uh james spader. spader and mandy patinkin nobody of none of us have seen that so oh. moving on joel you saw shadows and fog shadows and fog yeah it's it's one of woody allen's lesser known and kind of more unique um takes on filmmaking it was a black and white kind of comedy thriller based on like the the noir stuff like the fritz lang uh, F.W. Murnau, F.W. Murnau stuff. Um, and it's, it's very stylized. Um, and it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's, it's Woody Allen. And if you like Woody Allen, you'll appreciate it. But Cusack isn't like the main character in it. Hmm. It's one of the um, few times you can say that Fred Gwynn, Madonna, and John Malkovich have all been on the screen together, I guess. Oh, yeah. This, the cast on this one is just bonkers. Kathy Bates, Mia Farrow, Jodie Foster, Julie Kavner. All right. So, Joel, like it? Not like it? I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm an unabashed Woody Allen fan. I mean, I know he's not necessarily a great person, but I uh, I love all of his stuff, and I, I relate to his storytelling. So, uh, I would recommend it if you haven't seen it and you like Woody Allen. Okay, for sure. Now, Plus, uh, same year, the player. I, no, I can't believe you haven't seen this, Josh. I want to. Is this You've the never one that seen? Told- that's all about the um, behind the scenes in the movie industry. Yeah, Tim Robbins plays a movie yeah, producer. Robert Altman film, uh, very much tongue in cheek. It's a murder mystery. I uh, think I may have seen this and just don't remember it. Everybody's in it, but everybody plays themselves. There's like I think this is one of the very first huge movies with just tons and tons and tons of stars before like your Magnolia and things like that and well, Boogie Nights where they just had ensembles. That's what Robert Altman was known for is that people respected his work so much that they wanted to work with him. Um, and so he could just get anybody he wanted to be in his movie. And it's got a great sequence at the end where he keeps talking about making this movie. And at the end, they have a, the, the movie within a movie with Bruce Willis and I think it's Julia Roberts. And like Bruce um, Willis, the whole movie is playing like some kind of over the top parody of himself. Hmm. But a lot of people just play themselves. I mean, it's, right, it's, yeah. it's a totally send up of Hollywood at that time. And it's, it's a really, really good movie. I'm, I'm an Altman fan. Okay. So, uh, after that, we've got Roadside Profits, which after looking at it, I really want to see because it's John Cusack with Arlo Guthrie, Don Cheadle, and Flea. Nice. Yeah, what? I'd like to see that too. I know. I'm looking at the, I mean, Adam Horowitz, uh, David Carradine. What? Uh, Dick Rude? I mean, it's really... <laughs> <laughs> he said Dick Rude. I know. It's just, it's all it's all over the place. It's now on my list. Um, but after that, he, in 1992, Map of the Human Heart. 
Yeah, this was a pretty minor film done by a director from New Zealand named Vic- Vincent Ward. Uh, it, I believe he was a pretty minor character in this one. Okay, so then uh, Bob Roberts, 1992. I remember nothing about this movie, but I know I've seen it. I was in a Tim well, Robbins. John Cusack, Gore Vidal, Tim Robbins, and Alan Rickman, Susan Sarandon. Yeah. They had a lot of people. Fred Ward. What the heck? Yeah, this is, this is a mockumentary, uh, basically starring Tim Robbins as a, like, totally right-wing politician uh, on his way trying to get, like, a Republican uh, Senate seat. Hmm. Interesting side note, Bob Roberts is the name of the character that is the racer in the Drive Hard movie. No, oh, hmm. neat. So, oh, you're right. So I mean, catch that. Yeah, this is another one where uh, we'll yeah. constantly see a couple of different people work with him. This is like the seventh or eighth on our list so far that's had Jeremy Piven. This is about the fourth one where he's worked with uh, Ray Wise, best known for uh, being Leland Palmer in Twin Peaks. Okay. And I got to say, Ray Wise, real quick, just a sidebar, that dude, no matter what he's in, is always on point. Oh, he, yeah. He always kills it. He's 100% committed to whether it's complete garbage or it's the best thing ever. He is always all in. And I, I'm a, oh, I love Ray Wise. Anyway, yeah, so. I would recommend you guys check out Bob Roberts. Uh, it's also got a great performance by Giancarlo Esposito. Like, cool. th- this is a good movie. So uh, after that, 93, Money for Nothing, 94, Floundering, but 1994's Bullets Over Broadway. Josh, Another Joel, you've seen this. Woody Allen movie, this time more in the style of the uh, the crazy, like, um, uh, Char- not Charles Chaplin. Um, who did the front page? Dad burned it. Joel Hecht. Like the 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 Hecht, and, and who was the guy that co-wrote it, though? Charles, Charlie MacArthur, like that mm. real fast-paced uh, kind of, okay. hey there, Pally, that kind of. This actually the, looks the, pretty cool. The I, thing oh, they tried to do in the Hudsucker Proxy. Hudsucker Proxy was great. Shut up. Shut up. Yeah. And I, I, I agree with Joel. Hudsucker Proxy was great. But this might actually be my favorite Woody Allen film. Uh, this or Annie Hall. Really? Yeah. I, right up there. So this yeah, one's uh, really, John, really good. John Cusack with Harvey Fairstein, Chaz Palmaretti, Rob Reiner, Jennifer Tilly, Diane West, Jack uh, Warden. Mary, He's got a great yeah, and, cast in this. Chaz Palmentary is so funny in this movie. Yeah. It's, it's, if you've never seen it, it's worth your time. And by the way, I've seen Floundering. It's it's a 90s slacker comedy. Okay. So we've all seen that. Uh, Road to Wellville. Oh, so good. So, good. so weird. Based on oh, jeez. I realized we ran over money to nothing and I'd actually seen it, but it's, it's another like, uh, comedy. Uh, he's a longshoreman, finds a bag of money that fell out of the back of an armored car and he's, uh, trying to keep it, uh, like figure out whether he's going to keep it or turn it in. It's got Michael Rappaport. Based oh. on a true story. Yeah. Nice. So, uh, Bullets Over Broadway. Broadway. Road to Wellville. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry. Road to Wellville. Yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, weirdness all around. Um, this one, it, it, I remember watching it and then finding out that it was kind of based on a real thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Hopkins, Bridget Fonda, Matthew Broderick, John Cusack, Dana Carvey all make cornflakes. Wow. Kind That's, of. <laughs> I got a little bit more yeah. going on than cornflakes, but yeah. yes. Yes. Yeah. It's basically about the crazy, what they thought the path to health, both mental and physical was, yeah. whether that was getting enemas, whether that was uh, doing exercise or whether that was eating cornflakes or getting electric shocked. Yep. And it was all uh, head up by Anthony Hopkins as John Harvey Kellogg. Yes. The serial guy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the actual uh, sanitarium. 
mm-hmm. is it's, uh you know is what they uh is what is what it's about and it's it's in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Yeah, and it's really I mean it's uh, Battle Creek. Oh damn oh, it, I okay. was so close. That's so it. close. You're fired. Uh, <laughs> so uh yeah, it's I mean good, I remember in, well it is it is good. It's yeah. it's one of those you kind of sit there with that you know kind of like eyebrow cocked look like what? What's what exactly is going? On? <laughs> He's having sex with her in an iron lung. Is that what's going on here? Um, but then after that, Josh, no, Joel has seen City Hall. Uh, just think your stereotypical '90s political lawyery kind of thing, and that's pretty much what it is. Okay, but the, the big difference is you've got Al Pacino and Bridget Fonda, Danny Aiello, and Martin Landau. It's it's very good, but it's really forgettable i mean there's nothing about it that makes it stand out from all the other movies just like it at the time but then martin q blank shows up in gross point blank oh all of us have seen this where do we all stand on the scale on this movie i won't i love it i won't <laughs> lie everybody you know. wants. i love it it uh, i go ahead oh no i'm just saying go ahead joel i mean it's i think it's the first time we really get to see uh dan Aykroyd shoot two guns at once and be a badass um yeah it's Popcorn. got mini driver who's phenomenal it's it's just solid. Great music, great story. It's it's original and it's got actually got really good action in it. Yeah. Two great soundtracks out of this one. Yep. Um is really good. basically Martin Blank is a professional assassin who is getting depressed and disenchanted about what's going on with his life. And his sister, who is amazing as his assistant. His literal sister, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yep. it over, over basically gets a job lined up for him where he has to kill somebody in his hometown of Gross Point. You know, I, I thinking about this, I liked this movie, but this one was one that was so hyped to me that I think my expectations were high and I was disappointed and I was just like, yeah, that was good. I think the thing with me, is I I saw it and I loved it and it wasn't until 1999 that but, I watched this all the time because it's a whole movie about a guy whose life is changing and is reevaluating his entire existence and for some reason this is the movie that I clung on to when I found out that Suzanne was pregnant. Well, and it's a it's a very literal take on a very real thing that everybody has to go through but the way that they that not literal but the way they take it is to kind of an extreme where you know he's a hitman and that's what he's trying to have a during the whole point you know he's actually literally killing people and mm-hmm. i don't know where the hell i'm going with this i don't know it's either, great watch it it's great I, honestly i think out of the out of the entire movie with the action and everything else that's going on my favorite scene has got to be the uh live and let die scene where he comes home and sees that his home has been replaced by a mini mart, and his whole conversation with the poor kid behind. How long have you worked here? A couple months. What? What? What are you doing here? Why? 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 Are, I mean, he he has this whole like he expects to come home and imagine you go home to the home that you have grown up in, and it's now a Seven Eleven, and nobody told you. I don't know. His fault. He didn't go back. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it is, but uh, it also has uh, Benny Urquids as Felix Le Poubelle in there as the assassin. I don't know why I tossed it in there because he's got a weird face. <laughs> I so. got, oh yeah, this is uh, Benny Urquidez. We talked about him earlier. This was the uh, oh, that's a kickboxing dude. That's a kickboxing. Guy. Oh, that makes a fight even cooler then. So yeah, I mean, I I like this movie, but I don't love it like a lot of people do. I like it. Yeah, that's that's where I am with it oh. too. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, Mike. Yeah, 
I just, I mean, I don't know why I, I, of all the movies that I clung to and watched over and over and over again, this one was one of them. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's right. got the whole world. Why are you doing that? Because 1997, Con Air. Oh, God. <laughs> this what movie a pile is... Of crap on crap. This movie. <laughs> Dude, this movie is so bad, it rolls the machine around to awesome. That's exactly... Exa- I, I completely agree with you on that. Like, no. I, I'm not going to say it's good on its own, because it's not good. But it has just gone so far into uh, the not good that it's suddenly back around to being great. <laughs> but there are so this. many people that, that worship this movie that don't understand how bad it is. They're just like, it's so awesome. <laughs> 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 oh, I hate this movie. It, it, it's one of those where you're on a Saturday afternoon, you got nothing going on, you sit down on the couch, you pop it in, you eat some snacks, and you just have a good time. I mean, it's... it's I was mad that I paid money to see this movie I, in the theater. I saw it in the theater, too. John Cusack spends a whole movie running around in sandals, fighting yep. Yep. the bad guys. Come on, man. It's kind of where Nick Cage starts to go a little sideways, but... Yeah, and it's little. got the unintentionally funny re- reunion at the end with his daughter. Yeah. This, the music swells. That's the it's whole... total 90s action, but... That's, that's the suckiest suck that ever sucked, that movie. <laughs> You're the suckiest suck that ever sucked. Yes, he is. The I funny mean, thing wait, is, is, I don't think any of the three of us disagree with you. The thing is, is we enjoy it. Even though it's bad, Ugh. I en- I enjoy it because it's bad. It's not the Rock. Ugh. That's now, for another show. Joel, tell us about Chicago Cab. Chicago Cab again. Here's uh, John Cusack going back to his roots. Um, it, it, it was originally called Hell Cab. It was a play written by Will Kern, um, and it's basically you've got a, a cabbie who's played by. Uh, hold on, I got to look for his name here. I forget what his Paul name Dillon. is. Paul Dillon. Yeah, who's a great character actor, and he's spot on in this movie. Um, he, it's, it's his night where they intersperse the lives of these different people that get in the cab. And it's, uh, Jillian Anderson, John Cusack, Laurie Metcalf, Julianne Moore, John C. Riley, Michael Shannon, Michael Ironside. I mean, it's just got this amazing cast of people. It's a talkie though. It's a, one of the nineties kind of independent, lots of dialogue. Like not coffee a lot and happens. cigarettes. Exactly. But it's, it's one of those movies that really just was under the radar. And if I wouldn't have been working at the video store at that point, I might not have even seen it, but it's Cusack is really good. I remember seeing ads for the play version of this, but uh, I, never saw I, it. If you like that kind of thing, talky kind of independent <clears throat> sort of stuff is the way to go. Right. So uh, after this, Anastasia. Meh. He plays Dimitri. It's a musical and a guy who is definitely not John Cusack sings. But uh, Meg is Ryan. This live action or no? This is a cartoon. No, this is, is a it? cartoon. I think I probably saw this one too. Don Bluth. <laughs> I've seen it. Yeah, I went and saw it. I'm a big fan of Don Bluth, so I actually saw this one at the theater. It was it's forgettable in my opinion. Yeah. So anyway, Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. <laughs> I still want to see, though the three of you have seen it. Oh man, this is so good. You've got uh, uh, Kevin Spacey and John Cusack. In this awesome, like, southern, uh, mystery and trial. Did he, did he do it? Did he do it? Did he not do it? Did yeah. He, I almost said that he didn't do it. <laughs> did he, did he do? Directed by Clint Eastwood. <laughs> yeah. And uh, playing opposite Kevin Spacey and had, Wasn't this yeah. Eastwood's first big major direction? Uh, Who's? No mm, uh, I think Unforgiven was before this. Yeah. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I think Bridges of Madison County might have been before this, too. 
So Regardless, sorry. It's a mystery. You're trying not to spoil it for me because I'm going to watch this. It's, yeah, you really should. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I mean, you've got not only an awesome performance by John Cusack, who is the writer who's covering the case, but, I mean, it's a star. It puts uh, Kevin Spacey front and center in one of his most interesting characters in a career filled with interesting characters. Yeah. Okay, Great. so none of us have seen This Is My Father. With Kevin. Not my father. Then, uh, Joel. Joel, you saw Thin Red Line? Yeah, uh, Terrence Malick, war movie, got panned pretty hard because it's a little bit <clears throat> nonlinear. Um, it was supposed to be Adrian Brody was the main character, but they re-edited it and, I don't know, it, it was a big kind of fiasco. But Terrence Malick is known for big, like, beautiful scenery everywhere movies that take forever to do. But it, it's a kind of a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, metaphysical i don't know it's 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 a war movie that's not a war movie okay let's put it that way and john cusack's a minor character all right so uh nick felzone is his next character in pushing tin where he plays opposite billy bob thornton kate blanchett and angelina jolie as a uh air traffic air traffic controller with you've probably seen the scene where he's out laying in the middle of the of the runway with the planes landing over the top of him uh and about the stress that these people feel when they're when they're working it's i remember like this is again i know i've seen it remember liking it don't remember why <laughs> well here's one that came out of nowhere i mean i when i first heard about it i'm like billy bob thornton cool john cusack cool and then i heard what it was and i saw the like trailer and i'm like huh and I ended up within the first 20 minutes. I was like, holy crap, this is really, really good. It just kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. I liked it, but I didn't love it. I thought the acting was a little bit over the top. But overall, the kind of the the feel that they gave you for what it's like to be an air traffic controller, it was really well done. Like with all the scenes that they had of, you know, them actually in the tower doing, you know, it was really intense. Okay. So uh, then we have Hank Azaria, Ruben Blades, Joan and John Cusack, Carrie Ells, and a Bill Murray are in The Cradle Will Rock. Yeah, this is one that I thought I had seen, but it was a movie that I think I rented and didn't actually ever see and have meant to see several times, but for one reason or another, never got around to. All yeah, right. I thought I had too, but I realized when I was looking at it that I haven't. Another Tim Robbins movie. Yeah. Directed. So, moving on to 1999's Being John Malkovich, Malkovich. Malkovich, Malkovich. <laughs> Malkovich, Malkovich, Malkovich. This Malkovich. is so, I, I guess this may let him get into his weirdness. Well, this one, like, it's not just weird. I mean, it fully dives into absurdist, and it's one of the few big release films that goes that far into absurdism, and it does it right. This is a Spike Jones joint. Mm-hmm. You really got to go into this one with a specific frame of mind. Well, and considering it's written by Charlie Kaufman, who is known for his bizarre storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Him and his brother both, but... <laughs> and well, and then you got John Cusack who plays a puppeteer who's front and center with Cameron Diaz. Um, Neither one of them looking a bit like themselves, right? And it's just like got this weird thing. Like it's weird before he finds the portal to enter John Malkovich's mind. <laughs> yeah, that is true. <laughs> and if you think we're joking, we're and, not. and that 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 I remember seeing that the first time. I'm like, okay, this is gonna get weirder before it gets more normal. <laughs> <laughs> it's- yeah, it's like it's halfway about halfway through the movie. You're like, this is. You I agree with you on this one, Pat? It's like you're sitting there, you're like, there's no way this can get stranger. <laughs> well, I've been proved wrong. Yep. Oh, it does get weirder. Yeah. No, oh, never thought we can go down this road, but apparently here we are. 
where you have the all the people that look just like John Malkovich with the, including the women and that gets that was strange weird so <laughs> but, but it's I, good though that's it, just it though it's it's one of those things that even though it's absurd and it's off the wall and it and and all rights shouldn't work on screen Mm-hmm. It does. Well, it's one of those where people ask, oh, you saw John being John Malkovich? Oh, yeah, I did. Did you like it? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I I like incredibly bizarre things, and I even kind of have that reaction to this one. It's like, yeah, I liked it, but yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure how I feel about liking it. I, I still think it's one of Spike Jones's strongest pieces of, of his career. Uh, but yeah, it's it's... It's something you need to see at least once if you are a student of film in any way, shape, or form. Right. So uh, it is now 1999. We're approaching the year 2000, which means party. time for a break. Boop, boop. Well, honk my hooters. Yeah, I will <laughs> next time I see you, buddy. You, well, I hope so. I, I, that's another phrase that I use a lot. Honk my hooters? Yeah. Yeah. We'll be Love back it. soon after our hooters have been honked. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the second half of the John Cusack Show. So, 2000, High Fidelity came out. Oh. Rob Gordon playing opposite uh, Jack Black and uh, Tim Robbins again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Based on the book by Nick Hornby. Yeah. Also uh, shot, I believe, in uh, Oak Park. That was uh, well, it was shot in Chicago, yeah, but I don't... It wasn't... They, they had uh, checked out Val's store, but... <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't get uh, the words out. I was, are those, <laughs> I was waiting was for actually, some kind of pronoun or something in there. You know, I was, it was in the city. It was in Wicker Park. Yeah. yeah. But uh, Stephen Frears again, which you had mentioned earlier, was a, a director he'd work with. Yep. He, go ahead. Oh, no. I was just going. Yeah. yeah, this one did not have Jeremy Piven in it, which at this point is makes it the exception. Mm-hmm. Um, but, this, yeah, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, this one actually, uh, it centers on Rob Gordon, who is a music lover who doesn't understand women. Go figure. And, uh, he gets dumped by Laura, whose name involves a lot of vowels. Yes. Go ahead. You say that. Ibn Tejeje? Uh, Ibn Yela. Yes. That's Ibn Yela. Okay, so her. And he owns a record shop, uh, employs Jack Black, and, uh, his girlfriend then starts going out with, uh, Tim Robbins. And it's very much of the breaking of the fourth wall in this one. A lot of discussion with the screen, a lot of talking about what's going on, making mixtapes, talking about proper ways to store your uh, store your records. It, I loved it. I yeah, thought it was the whole great. like uh, they are making top five lists of everything, and then he focuses on his top five girlfriends. Mm-hmm. Yep, top five girls and top five breakups. I thought top, it was top five. Yeah, top five breakups. Top yeah. Five. yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. But um. The cool thing about this one is, Joel, okay, Joel, you said you had a story about this one. I did. All right, apparently you don't. <laughs> I thought the story was about one of the other films. I could be wrong. Mm. Yeah, it was. But, okay. I mean, at this point, I was working at the record store, and we did a big push for this with the Lake Theater, um, doing, you know, a big full window display and, and had the book. We all read the book at the same time. We all got passes to go see the movie, and because it took place in a record store and they'd been scouting out there, you know, we were tied into it pretty heavily. So for us, it was like everybody's like, oh, you must love High Fidelity. I'm like, well, actually, we do. Yeah. yeah. But book to, books is a lot different. You know, it takes place in, in England and it's very English. 
Yeah. But um, if this you, is Jack Black before he's Jack Black, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If you're an audiophile at all, it, it's, it speaks directly to you in terms of how you handle life in general, but specifically with women. Yeah. Uh, the thing about this one was this came out year 2000. This is the year that Suzanne was pregnant with Katie. So we went to go see this. And, you know, we're sitting there, watched it, loved it, thought it was great. One reason this movie stands out in my head, besides the fact that I love John Cusack movies and I love this movie, is this is the one where we finish watching the movie, walking, walk out to the car, sit down, start up the car, and she goes, wow, I was having contractions through that entire movie. (laughs) (laughs) What? Just like, I immediately, it blew my mind. So I freaked out. Why didn't you say anything? Oh, my God. And she's like, because I wanted to see the end of the movie. <laughs> Priority. <laughs> like, like, These things take a while. Yeah. She's like, I wanted to see the end. I didn't want, I didn't want immediately want to, you know, I don't want, because I, she's, she's basically was like having some sort of like practice contractions, I guess. But uh, apparently um, she knew if she told me, I would have physically picked her up and walked her out of the hospital. I mean, walked her out of the uh, movie into the hospital. So. That was kind of my fun thing. But after this, 2001, he made America's Sweethearts. Aww. Written by Billy Crystal. Yeah, I mean, in this one, he is a kind of a douche. Like the America's first couple, him and Catherine Zeta-Jones, and you've got their handlers trying to, like, get them, like, manage them, basically. Wrang- wrangle him. Yeah. Is it, this the one that had Julia Roberts in it, too? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. This She's is a kind of yeah. I purposely didn't see this one. assistant that's nerdy that isn't really nerdy or yeah frumpy or whatever. Takes glasses off and suddenly they're beautiful. Like uh, yeah, I think is she uh, Catherine Zeta's own sister? I, I forget. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, I remember. Yeah, I I know a lot about this movie for never having seen it. That's weird, Pat. Yeah, I know. It's kind it, of a weird. I know the things I hate. It's a John Cusack rom com, but yeah, kind but... of tainted. Right. <laughs> Dark rom-com. Yeah. It's like a, it's, yeah, it's like a black rom-com. Yeah. This is definitely not something that it's just like you have to go out and see it. But I mean, if it's on like cable and you got a couple of hours, yeah, watch it. It's fine. Yeah. Suzanne likes this one. Yeah. Billy Crystal is good. Yeah. Did a good job. Same year. He comes out with Serendipity. Another rom-comedy, but a bit more. John Cusack and Kate Beckinsdale. It's a bit mm-hmm. more. Stop that. Rami. A bit more Rami than Kami. Yeah, this this is yeah. a little more sappy. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. This is actually the favorite of uh, Nikki New Zealand. Mm-hmm. So, uh, again, seen it. It's a rom-com. Yeah. It's, I I've wa- never I, seen it. Yeah, I want to say he's paying the bills. I really do. It's all right. I mean, it's 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 not anything I ever need to see again, but it was well, I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen him admit in some interviews. He's like, yeah, there are some movies that he takes just for, you know, just because it makes financial sense, as he says. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, uh, and then, um, after this, he decides to take a complete change with the movie Max, where he, uh, becomes Hitler's art teacher. It's yeah. a very, it was a very controversial movie about, like, a young Hitler and his art, th- th- this art critic, kind of like art teacher, art critic, whatever, you know, like, plays a role in Hitler's young life. Yeah, Max and, Rothman. And they try, I mean, they, it took a lot of grief because it was try. it, it actually kind of humanized Adolf Hitler and people don't want that. Right. <laughs> Yeah, it's one I wanted to see before the show, but it, there just was not enough time. But I've heard yeah, same the, here. it's yeah. really good. But yeah, it's it's controversial because of the topic. You can tell how this one was, was received. It uh, box office take was five hundred thirty nine thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah. So again, but again, this is this is very still, still too soon for 
Hitler, yeah, apparently. <laughs> for Hitler. Well, so I mean, this is the thing that where you get these movies that John Cusack will take that are not mainstream, that are not, you know, he'll do, I mean, come on, he does, he does. He's, he's willing to do jobs that, that a lot of guys wouldn't touch because they don't want their, their reputation to suffer. Like, exactly. Tom Cruise would never make Max. No, God, no. Oh, he made Valkyrie instead. Yeah, where he's trying to kill Hitler. Exactly. Right. right. I mean, well, I mean, where John Cusack, you know, plays opposite Kate Beckinsale and he does this, you know, rom-com, oh, the lovers finally find each other type of thing. And then he turns around and the next year he does a movie where he's, you know, the art dealing with art and the art and Hitler. You know, I really want to see this. I want to find this because I think this may be one of his, you know, I think he's, I'm guessing he's really good at this because he plays these intense characters really well. And yeah. I don't imagine he would take a movie like that if the script wasn't pretty solid. Right. Right. And it's something that he wants to communicate something particular. And we're going to come back to that idea later in this half. Okay. So uh, after this, uh, he plays himself in Adaptation. I another saw Adaptation, Charlie... but I don't remember him being in it. Another yeah, he... Charlie Kaufman penned film. Another yeah. weird one. Another Spike Jones joint. Right. Yep. Then uh, 2003, Identity. Oh, Ed Dakota. Do we call spoilers on this? It's a 13-year-old movie. I think we can call spoilers. Yeah, okay. I mean, I don't know that we need to give away the ending to talk about identity. It's true. Yeah. Uh, the, guy who, the guy who plays, um, what's the, the, the inmate's name? Ray, uh, uh, Malcolm Rivers? Yeah, the yeah. guy who plays him does a phenomenal job. Yeah. Yeah. Mal- uh, oh, who was that? That's uh, uh, Pruitt, uh, Pruitt Taylor Vince. Pruitt Taylor Vince, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't Mr. Uh, Wiggly Eyes. Yeah, yeah, this one is... Often compared to Agatha Christie's, and then there were none. A group of people trapped into, trapped in one location, and little by little people just start showing up dead. Uh, John Cusack, Ray Liotta, Amanda Peet, uh, Alfred Molina. It's got a great cast, a great varied cast, uh, different personalities across the board. And, um, <clears throat> I, God, I remember watching this one at the, and I don't want to give away the ending, but I loved it. By the end of it, I was, I was on, on board with this movie. Yeah. I, I mean, the whole thing about them being trapped in the motel and there are all these super interesting, if a little bit stereotypical characters. And when they show up dead, uh, motel room keys show up where they're killed. Mm hmm. I remember the first time seeing this movie, I was like, I didn't really care for it because, you know, I was like, all the, you know, the characters are all one dimensional. It's kind of really far fetched. All this, you know, everything that's happening, you know, and then by the end of the movie, I was like, oh, right. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> well, I directed by James Mangold, who did Walk the Line and Girl Interrupted Copland that we've talked about, 310 to Yuma. You know, he's one of those directors that picks and chooses very specifically what he wants to do. So it, 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 this one kind of took me by surprise because I was expecting a by the book kind of story and at the end of it i was like okay yeah yeah if i don't know this is one that i wanted to watch again but just there were so many things in his catalog i hadn't seen even once Mm -hmm. that i didn't actually rewatch anything except the grifters yeah so after this he does runaway jury where he plays uh opposite uh gene hackman and dustin hoffman i mean he's and that's the thing about about John Cusack is that he plays opposite some great actors. Mm-hmm. That one has another Jeremy Piven. Like he's working with Jeremy Piven all the time. Oh yeah, but he's got a lot of respect, I think, among the Hollywood people. They know he's not like a diva or a sellout or any of that kind of stuff, and he, you know, quote unquote, respects the art. Cusack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, I think if anybody respects the the script, respecting the script and having a good script, I think it's Cusack. 
Um, so after this, he does Must Love Dogs, jumps back into the rom-com. I don't know if this was like a push from his... Well, you, this one's a little yeah. bit different because it's got Uma Thurman and Janine Garofalo. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a little bit different than your typical rom-com, but... Um, oh, no, I'm thinking of... Um, I'm like, I'm looking at the list. Oh, here. I don't see this these is the people. one with Diane Lane. Yeah, this one was... Okay, never mind. This Completely different movie. I rescind your statement. Completely <laughs> romantic comedy. Yeah, what are you talking about? Huh? What are you talking about? Uh, the one with Uma Thurman and Janine Garofalo about uh, dog walking. Yeah, I thought that was this movie, too. Like, I, uh, I've seen both of them, but I got I got the two flipped as well. Yeah, I can't think of the name of that one, but this one was... Well, what was yeah, that movie called? I know the movie you're talking typical. about. If you know that movie, call us. Let us know. Oh, hold on. Oh, come uh, on. What was that movie? Um, it was uh, uh, Bugue Guest. No. It was um, Wizard of Oz. The Truth About Cats and Dogs. There you go. There you oh, there go. There you go. Yeah. Kept, yeah, never mind. This was a standard love story. All right. So uh, after this, he does The Ice Harvest and jumps back in with Billy Bob Thornton again. Oh, this movie is awesome. I, I really enjoy all of the, like, him and Billy Bob Thornton as kind of like fuck-up thieves that uh, are plan to rip off their boss, Randy Quaid, and are screwed by the weather. The uh, There's such severe weather that they can't safely make it out of town. And there's all these twists and turns as uh, people from John Cusack's character's life get in the way. Uh, it's got Oliver Platt as his, like, fuck-up buddy who uh, married his ex-wife and moved into his house with his kids. Huh. Well, directed by Harold Ramis, so that's another reason for me to watch it. Yes, yeah, you really should. Yeah. It's solid. <clears throat> All right. So after that, he's got the contract playing opposite Morgan Freeman. Any of us see that? Oh, I don't crap. Think any of us I may did. have seen this one. That's all right. <laughs> <laughs> it was forgettable if I, if I saw it, though. Uh, Grace is gone, where he plays an army veteran caring for his two daughters. Nobody saw, none of us saw that. I would say nobody saw that. I'm sure somebody did, but I want <laughs> to get to, somewhere. I want to get to 1408. Do man, I wish I had seen oh, this. Am film. I the? Am I? Come on. No, Pat, I'm the only one who didn't. Oh, you're the only one who didn't. Pat, Joel, yeah, would yeah. you? I saw you that think? in the theater. Mike Enslin. He plays a author whose goal is to go to these haunted places and just write about them. Where yeah, write like a travel book about haunted locations. Right, and nine times out of ten, I mean, except unfortunately this tenth time, um, he's he's writing <laughs> the about total skeptic. Yeah. yeah, complete skeptic, able to disprove everything, but still writes about how spooky it is. You know, that's kind of ooh, it's a scary hotel type thing. Until he finds out about room fourteen oh eight at the Peacock. The no, the dolphin. The dolphin. I knew it was some animal. Yeah. Uh, he plays opposite. The manatee. Yes. No, the, man- the dolphin. <laughs> the dolphin. He plays opposite Samuel Jackson in this one, and he is. It's based off a Stephen King story. It's pretty much on his own for the majority of the film. Yeah, that's the thing is he carries the movie entirely by himself. Yeah, Do not enter. Please don't give away the ending. No, no. I won't. No. Josh, uh, Josh, if you haven't seen it, you need to see it. <laughs> I do. You do. It's Stephen King. It's John Cusack. And it is one of the things about this is that his, uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not giving anything away when I say that his daughter I has died. I never saw it coming that, that John Cusack was an alien. I never saw it coming. No, know, right. It wasn't oh. until the very end when they had the thing up the hoo-ha. Can I put my headphones back on? Wait, I should put them back on before. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, yeah, I could totally rip my headphones out, and I was like, "Wait, I can't actually ask if I can put them back in. I won't be able to hear <laughs> right. that." We wouldn't spoil it. No, we're not spoiling. I'm just saying <clears throat> you need to see it. For as much as you said that I need to see the uh, the ice harvest, you need to see 1408. Well, okay. Well, let me get my 
chance for you guys to give me a hard time because when this started, like the first half an hour, I was in 100%. Loved it. Was like, oh my God, this is going to be amazing. And then it turned into every other supernatural Hollywood big budget crap fest. And I I did not like it. By the end, I was like, man, just. It seemed like they kind of lost their way a little bit, but I thought that the ending was fine. They they threw everything (laughs) and the kitchen sink in there thinking that more is better. And I, I, I I, I left it feeling, and I watched this before we even were going to do the show. I watched it just on a night where I was like, oh, cool. I've been wanting to see this. And I was really let down by it. So I liked it. Josh, I'm right in the middle. So yeah. Yeah. Watch it, Josh. Let us know what you think. 2008. He narrated Summerhood. 2008, though, he also did War Incorporated. Uh, You forgot The Martian Child. The Martian Child. Oh, yeah, I did. 2007. Yeah. We haven't seen that either. Yeah, I mean, it was... He adopts the kid, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's a science fiction author, adopts a kid after his wife dies. It's one that I knew about but hadn't gotten around to seeing. It's another one of those where I think it's... I want to say it's a really relatable character, just looking at the description of the movie. Right. And War Inc. is another one of his, hey, I'm a hitman. Yep. Uh, Then 2008, he does Igor, or Igor. Uh, Joel and I have seen this because we have children. Well, and it's the funny thing about it is, well, you got Steve Buscemi and... It's a bunch of other people in it. It's really, really dark. It's not for little kids. Um, I, I would say it actually is ten and up, maybe. Yeah, I mean, come on. It's here, I mean, here's here's the rundown on the characters uh, for the non-children owning ch- guys. <coughs> owning? Uh, oh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry, leasing. Uh, <laughs> With an option to buy. Yeah, later on I can buy it fifteen thousand miles. Uh, John Cusack, Molly Shannon, Steve Buscemi. Uh, Eddie Izzard, Jay Leno, Arsenio Hall, Christian Slater, and then John Cleese. Those are all uh, names. Those are all names. Yes, <laughs> directed by the same guy who did The Road to El Dorado. Well, film, I yeah, mean, it's good. I I really like it, but I, it's not a movie I would recommend for for little kid. No. And Cusack plays Igor. Right. 2012. Pat and I have seen this one, and it is a what the hell. This is literally the the biggest movie he's been in financially. It's Roland Emmerich. One hundred thirty something million. And it is, I think, is it this one that's listed as the most scientifically wrong movie of all time? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. I mean, I've there, seen, there are times when they fly plane, planes under collapsing buildings and stuff. It's, yeah, I've seen just enough of this to know that I don't need to see all of it. No, you really don't. Yeah, there's there's like moments where they take off even though there's no ground underneath them. Like they wouldn't be able to, you know, that's weird. That works, yeah. right? Uh, one weird thing about this movie, it has actually been, not surprisingly, well, banned in North Korea. Uh, and people that have possessed or viewed... Sucking. That's the strange part. Yeah, it <laughs> it is um, with grave provocation against the development of the state is, uh, I don't... I don't know. But or cake. Yeah, but apparently there was supposed to be a TV spinoff from this one, where they all live on a boat. Every season would just go up a year. Apparently. <laughs> um, yeah, it's a disaster movie. It That was a disaster. It was, yeah, it was terrible. With the, with the arcs at the end. And yeah. And at the end, I'm just, I mean, through the whole movie, I'm just going, John, why? It made financial sense. Yeah, I know. I mean, it really did. But, <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, you got to pay the bills. Hot I mean, if he got himself a piece of that $130 million, Right. Good job. Same reason Brad Pitt did World War Z. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And then later on, he does Hot Tub Time Machine. (laughs) That's a great movie. Stupidest one of the the stupidest kind of when you hear the the plot device, you're like, really? Is this a real thing? 
pretty funny though. It it's is pretty, pretty funny. <laughs> it is really funny. It's uh, it's. I, I like when um when oh god, I can't. Craig Robinson like must be some kind of hot tub time machine. He just breaks the fourth wall and looks. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm actually looking forward to seeing this. I just haven't gotten around to it. It doesn't take itself seriously. It knows what it is, and it plays up to that. Yeah. Yeah, this is almost uh, Lane from um, Better Off Dead in a, in a movie where he's an adult. Grown up, yeah. Yeah, gro- this is grown up Lane. It And it is funny. It's stupid funny. You don't respect yourself the morning after at all. But and it has a sequel that Cusack did not sign on for. No, he, he had a Which cameo. Which is why I'm wondering why they have him listed. Well, he's got a cameo in it. I don't remember that. In the po- he has he has so distant. He had a cameo in it where it was only shown on the director's cut. Ah, uh, yeah, the sequel. Yeah. Hmm. Now, uh, 2010, he does Shanghai, a mystery thriller. Thriller, um, another one of these uh, noir movies that he does. This one, he's playing opposite uh, Ken Watanabe. I really want to see this. Yeah, I've heard good things about it. Yeah, it's, it's like I a think- World War II spy movie. I think it's on Amazon Prime, maybe, right now. I'm not sure. Yeah, it might be. Uh, but it's on my list. The Raven, <clears throat> where he plays... Um, crap, why can't I remember? A writing, Edgar, a writing guy. Uh, yes. He he plays uh, Edgar Allan Poe. Very unlikable Edgar Allan Poe. Yes. Um, From what they say, he was very unlikable. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know. Edgar Allan Poe, apparently, in, in this, murders are occurring in the same themes of his movies. This is a really, books. yeah, I'm sorry, in his books, uh, really gory. <clears throat> yeah, I, I only got through about half an hour today before I ran out of time, but yeah, the, the scene with the, the pit and the pendulum take. Oh, yeah. Pretty gory. Yeah, I was expecting when, like, when the pendulum swung back and I'm like, oh, they're gonna cut away. Oh, they didn't cut away. Not this time. Yeah. Oh, the, okay, the they'll cut away. Order. Yeah, they'll cut away on the second. Oh, they didn't cut away on this time. Oh, okay, apparently we're going to see this man get cut in half. Now we're gonna linger on this for a little while. Yeah. But he he does right, a really I, good I, job. Of, hey, do we want to like stop? Josh thinks his mic may have broken. I got it. I, I got it now. Oh, okay. Oh, we'll mark this time button. down. The, no, the the USB was screwing up, and you guys kept coming through the speakers, and then it would cut out entirely. Okay, hang on. Let I me just wait. can't touch it apparently, <laughs> and I may have to uh, go out and buy a new USB cord for it or something. Well, that's not too bad then. At least it's not the plug. All right, so twenty eight thirty one. Yeah, I just got to make sure I don't bump it at all because right now it's super sensitive. And uh, right. if uh, if you have anything to say about um, the Raven, you I haven't seen it, it so. so okay, then okay. we can just pick up with the paperwork. <clears throat> all right, five, four, three, two, one. All right, so uh, Joel and I are the only two who have seen the Raven. Which, if if you're going to watch it, I mean, he he does a really good job of playing the character. I mean, obviously, we don't know what Poe is like because there's no like other than writing about him, but right. he's he's because the history on him is so Poe. Uh, he's interesting to watch in the character so just for that alone it's worth what i saw anyway so 2012 the paperboy but also the factory which joel saw which is another one of these mystery movies yeah it was him and um jennifer carpenter it's a bit more of a not independent but it's not a major hollywood release (laughs) it was okay it's it's forgettable but um it's worth watching once if you like him and you like kind of serial killer type movies he's not the killer but Hey, no, it seems like oh no! It seems like he's doing more action flicks as it's getting later. 
later in his career. Like, 2010 on, he seems to be doing more, I mean, even, even the Raven, it's kind of like he's doing this detective work type thing. And well, he's getting more into the kickboxing. Right. Getting <laughs> more athletic. Yeah. And, and the numbers station, his next one, which none of us have seen, that's another action flick. Yeah. Yeah. Plays an F, uh, CIA operative, uh, and who is sent to kill a man. Why is it with him and Hitman? Hitman, yeah, it's very much. Kind of strange. All right, but, uh, Adult World. Josh and Joel have seen that. I really do want to see it. Oh, it's, I really love it. And it's mostly because of Emma Roberts. Um, I, I think that a lot of Emma Roberts early stuff, like before she, now she's kind of typecast since her turn on American Horror Story as kind of the princess, uh, almost, uh, Paris Hilton type characters. Mm hmm. But, uh, in this, as this, like, totally clueless poet who hasn't had enough life experience to understand that you can't have tens of thousands of dollars in student loans and be living with your parents and think that you've, like, lived enough to contribute something worthwhile to the artistic community. And mm. she ends up determined to, like, figure out how to be an adult. And she ends up working in a sex shop. And stalking her favorite, like, punk-era poet, who was played by John Cusack. Nice. Yeah, it's it's a coming-of-age story. She has a complete character arc. All the characters are really well-written and, and, and three-dimensional. And Cusack is just on point. I mean, he, he takes that character and just plays it. I, I was, this is one of those movies, one of the two that I was mentioning, where if, if I would have been in college, well, my screenplay that I finished is similar to this, um, that I... I just really would have connected with and still did it was i agree with josh excellent all right so after adult world he did uh frozen ground where he played robert hansen and uh that is nick nick cage john cusack 50 cent and vanessa hutchins interesting that's a weird mix yeah i remember seeing the previews for this and just did not look great yeah plays a cop uh, nobody's seen it but then we move on to the butler which nobody has seen where he plays richard nixon The hitman Richard Nixon. Yes. Right. <laughs> I what? Yeah. I don't I, know. I know yeah. I know it's it's on Netflix right now. I need to see it. I just to see him play Richard Nixon. So but right. uh uh Josh and Joel saw Grand Piano, where he I, plays more hitmen. I love Grand Piano in because it's this mashup of speed, only instead of driving a bus, you've got a concert pianist playing a piano. And, uh, phone booth where John Cusack is off screen almost the entire movie. He only has one line where you can actually see him. Wow. And he basically is, is, uh, going to murder the concert pianist. Uh, I'm blanking. And his wife. And, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, a great turn by Elijah Wood, who, like, the concert pianist who was already nervous about his return to the stage after having choked on a incredibly difficult-to-play piece. It's his first time performing, and this guy has a sniper rifle trained on him and his wife and said, miss a note and you die. That's right. so crazy. It's, yeah. It's, in, it's <clears throat> really, I agree with Josh. I mean, it was really well done and... Um, intense and, and Cusack literally has to sell it with just his voice, like Kiefer Sutherland did in Phone Booth. I agree that comparison is, Phone is Booth there. Was not good though. I like well, Phone Booth. And this basically, the challenge with this is so much of the movie is Cusack with just his voice. And even though you can see lots of other people, I mean, there's the rest of an orchestra and there's an audience. It's almost entirely 
uh, Elijah Wood on a stage playing a piano with John Cusack talking to him and being able to have actual palpable tension with the whole movie being that it's pretty cool. I mean, the the only other characters you really see are his wife and Alex Winter from Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure playing the uh, the co-conspirator. All right. I, oh, wow. That was Alex Winter. Yeah, it's beautiful. I mean, just the way it's shot, the music is just stunning. But then you throw in the good story and you've got a solid a solid film that really was under. I've actually under... just stopped reading the the uh, I not the uh, Wikipedia description of this. I really want to see this now. Under the radar. Yeah. It's on Netflix. So. Yeah, I know. I um I saw this and I saw the bag man. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Here we are. I, I, I Josh kind of told made us. everybody watch the bag man because I this was the first one I watched this week week uh i was like john cusack robert de niro how could this possibly be bad Chris oh wow let's show you the way <laughs> let us surprise you um it, again he plays a hitman hitman i'm going to john cusack if you are out there and you listen to this show let us know why you're always playing hitman and, and this then, is another one at a motel, going back to my uh, gag at the beginning of the show. Yeah, and he is is supposed to pick up a bag, deliver it to uh, Robert De Niro, never open it. Yeah, do not look inside the bag is the big deal. Yeah, but again, he's also uh, got he's also very he, the reason De Niro wants to do this is because he's trustworthy. He knows that in the world of guys that are crooks and thieves and con men, this guy is honest. So again, he's playing that same kind of character that. Yeah, my feelings about this movie are actually sort of complicated because the acting's not bad. There's an interesting concept. There's interesting characters, but like the script is such a fucking mess. I did have, there were a couple times in watching this where I had to, I had to take a moment and go, okay, what has just happened? <laughs> Process it. Yeah. Process it. Where are we going? How did we get to the hotel room? I don't recall us going back. Why are we no longer in the hotel room? Why did he leave? Why is he not with the girl? Okay, now the girl's with him again. Why did she show back up? You know, it's... it's. Why does no one in this movie have more than one dimension? Yes. Yeah. He cares about the girl. Then he hates the girl. Then he cares yeah. about the girl again. Yeah, it's it's all over the place. Um, I think I th- it's a stylistic choice. They're trying to keep you on your toes, but instead it just translates into a mess of a movie. Well, and, and you this- can... Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say, you can kind of see why it's all over the place and kind of a mess, because the single weakest performance in the entire thing is the director. Uh, the director of the film plays the lawyer at the end. Really? Yeah, that really wooden, like, uh, stuffy British dude <clears throat> huh. was the guy who directed the movie. Wow, that's... Well, and this is another one that I chalk up there with my sensibilities as a writer in college. This was what I thought was cool. And it, it it's... It really is all over the place, and it feels like something from about 1996 in terms of the way the story's put together. And by the end of it, I was like, what? Yeah. And you're right. It stuck with me, and I'm still thinking about it, which says something to the movie. But at the same time, I can't say that I liked it or that I hated it. I just I don't know what to make of it. Right. <laughs> and that's why I wanted to make sure, because this was one that I couldn't recommend it, but we should ha- I wanted to make sure you guys saw it so we could talk about it. Yeah, I. this one really, it, it's like the script needed another rewrite. It needed another pair of eyes to go over this script and go, you know what? If I were to take some red string and thumbtacks and plot this thing out, it would look like a uh, one of those string art things from the 70s. 
Yeah. It's all over the place. I, and I really, I mean, John Cusack plays a hitman. Okay. I'm 50% in right there. Yeah. And Robert De Niro's a mob boss. Crispin Glover is the creepy motel owner. And then you've got Rebecca DaCosta, who is ridiculously hot and has no acting talent whatsoever. No. And then you've got, um, oh, what's his name? Now, Dominic Purcell as the smarmy, greasy police or sheriff. Yeah. I don't know. I, and at least they tell it, show you what's in the bag at the end. Not, we're not going to tell you, but you at least get to find that out, which I thought they weren't going to play up, let you know. Although I figured it out. Yeah. Yeah. I, it, it, it again had a lot of potential. But then after that, he does maps to the stars. Hey. David Cronenberg joint with Julianne Moore. Which Cronenberg is interesting director. Yeah. I, I'm, I want, again, I want to see this. <laughs> Question mark. But uh, Pat and Joel watch Drive Hard. Go ahead, Pat. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was. <laughs> I want to hear what you think because I don't want to let it on was, what It I was thought. a typical driving type, you know, movie that didn't really have a whole <laughs> lot of plot to it. It was just they needed all kinds of, of excuses to have car races and and show off little driving stunts. And I don't know. I mean, it was. I don't know. I, I watched it. That that's, I'm never going to see it again. I liked uh, Kusak's character. He was actually pretty entertaining. But I didn't give a rat's ass about it in the rest of the movie. I mean... All, all puns intended. It's it's a Cusack, John Cusack vehicle. Um, it, it's about Thomas Jane as a, as a former race car driver who's now a driving instructor. He Cusack comes to take a lesson. He ends up robbing a uh, quote-unquote bank, stealing a bunch of... Um, what do you call them? Bearer bonds. Bearer bonds, right. And forces Thomas Jane initially to go on the lamb so that they can get away with all the money. And eventually they kind of become friends, quote unquote. And uh, there is a lot of action and car chases and John Cusack shooting two guns and not really killing anybody but being a badass. And it all takes place in Australia near the Gold Coast. And I just thought it was a damn fun movie. I really, really enjoyed it. The ending was a little bit kind of, oh, God, what just happened? And it's not something that would have ever played in a big theater. But if you want to see Cusack really just play a really enjoyable character, and Thomas Jane is also very enjoyable, the two of them are pretty much the entire movie. And to and me, they that have was pretty good rapport between the two of them. Exactly, they got good chemistry, and it's just a, a one of those movies you just it, put it on and enjoy. You know, there's nothing yeah. to it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't dislike it. I didn't hate it. I just, I'm never going to see it again. It, there was no real substance to it. No, no. In the end of the day, you're not going to change anybody's world. But Cusack was cool, and I would, I would like to see that character fleshed out some more. But anyway, it's on Netflix. Check it out. All right. <clears throat> so the Prince. I started watching this, and then 45 minutes in, I saw no Cusack, so I stopped watching. The end. And very little <laughs> Bruce Willis. Very little Bruce Willis. Uh, as for as much as I like Jason Patrick, this was terrible. Uh, a, a horrible. I can't find my daughter. I'm going to go search for her because I'm an ex-military badass movie. Oh, one of those. Yeah. Moving on. Love and Mercy, uh, where Let's he plays it. Brian Wilson. Yeah, this is one I didn't get around to, but I want to see. Yeah, it's another one of those. It's, uh, this is another one of those under-the-radar ones where, I mean, it the cast again, John Cusack, Paul Giamatti. Elizabeth Banks. Uh, Elizabeth Paul Banks. Banks. Yeah. Um, it just a gr- looks like it's got a great cast. Looks like it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great, like, biopic. Um, didn't get to see it. Reclaim. He plays Benjamin. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I haven't seen it. This is like generic thriller. Okay. Louise Guzman in this one. Uh, 
I took I rented Dragonblade because when I see Jackie Chan, John Cusack, and Adrian Brody as the headliners, I am really I'm I'm you're in. I'm in. Yeah. Uh directed by Daniel Lee. This is the guy who does stuff like uh Star Runner. <laughs> it's 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 a Chinese movie about the Silk Road where Jackie Chan, who plays the protagonist, is the leader and the general of the protectors of the Silk Road. The ones who make sure that Silk Road, the trade la- the trade lane, uh trade road is safe. In the meantime, John Cusack, who plays Lucius, who is a Roman uh, a general who has escaped Rome after Adrian Brody has tried to kill his younger brother by poisoning him. So Cusack, or Lucius, grabbed the brother. They escaped with his, uh, uh, he's a centurion, so he escapes with his, his troops, and now they're on the run from the Roman legion. Adrian Brody plays a psychotic older brother who has killed his younger brother. It is, it starts out like, almost like an after school special. Huh. Where Jackie Chan and John Cusack fight. Where a guy, okay, let me take that back. Jackie Chan and a guy who kind of looks like John Cusack fight. (laughs) (laughs) And they have a sword. I mean, you know, now that I know what I know about John Cusack and the whole kickboxing thing, I'm a little bit more sold on the idea of him being able to pull these, these stunts off. Where it's, you've got this Roman legion and Jackie Chan that have to rebuild the, uh, I keep calling it the Grey Goose. No, it's, but it's the Wild Geese Gate. <laughs> I keep calling it the Grey Goose Gate. Grey Goose Gate. I, I have issues. Um, and it's, there's a, uh, uh, like a, a montage scene where they're rebuilding the walls of the Grey, the Wild, the Wild Greek. <laughs> the Grey Goose. God goose. bless it. The Goose Gate. Uh, where they're re- rebuilding the, the walls. Wild Turkey Gate. Wild Turkey Gate. That, no, that's wrong too. Um, <laughs> And then finally, Adrian Brody shows up, and there's a lot of great action in it. There's a lot of good uh, uh, fighting scenes in it. Um, not to spoil things, but this is based off a true story. And at one point, Jackie uh, Jackie Chan walks in on John Cusack, who has been strung up crucifixion style to a wooden pylon and has his eyes gouged out. Hmm. It right. makes a rapid turn away from the after-school special that I thought it was. <laughs> it's it 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 would I liked it, but I think it would have been better if I knew more about the history of what was going on. Yeah, I mean, this wasn't <clears> one that was originally targeted at a United States office. No, uh, not, or, uh, audience. Audience. No, not at all. This one. This one. I mean, it's. I mean, if you look at the uh, the uh, Wikipedia page, it's in Cantonese for, yeah. for the initial the initial title. Um, it's. It's good. John Cusack plays a great character as Lucius, the uh, centurion. And, you know, also he plays, a, you know, Adrian Brody plays a psychotic really well in this. And Jackie Chan for being 63, 63 years old. He's uh, somewhere around there. He can still carry it, man. Jackie Chan, 61. 61. For 61 years old, he could still kick all of our asses and not break a sweat. Him and Cusack together. Right. So I liked it. I thought it was. I thought it was good. It's just once again not. It's it's a foreign film, right? So then uh, Pat went and saw Hot Tub Time Machine <laughs> too, which apparently John Cusack is only in like the unrated special features. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was wondering why he he was it was listed in his uh, discography here because yeah. he was not in it. I remember that. I remember yeah. walking out of the theater going, "Well, I guess Cusack didn't want anything to do with the second one." Yeah, he did a cameo that was on the DVD special features. Hey, he's on the DVD. So, and then 2015, Chirac, 
one of the reasons we Father decided Mike to Gordon. do the show. Yeah, yeah, because this was a really big film, uh, and this is a big controversial film for Chicago. Um, and it was controversial for a bunch of reasons. Uh, the first of which is uh, it's a Spike Lee film, which in general have a measure of controversy uh, controversy around them. Also, Chicago's mayor uh, tried to shut the production down, tried to not give the film uh, tax credits, tried to force it to be renamed because he felt that the title of the film uh, reflected poorly on the city, which shows that he missed the fucking point. Right. <laughs> um, let's say that it's it's a well, explain what it is. Cause. Well, that's the thing is a lot of people, this uh, had very mixed reviews at first because I think a lot of folks hoped that Chirac was going to be like Colors or Boys in the Hood or New Jack City. And that's not what this is. This is a retelling of a play from hundreds of years before the birth of Christ in ancient Greek uh, called Lysistrata. It's a musical. And the whole idea is that in the original, the women of the village punished their men for uh, getting involved in wars uh, by withholding sex until peace would come. And it's transported into modern day Chicago with the Trojans and the Spartans as opposing street gangs on the south side of Chicago. And, and oh, go, yeah, ahead. go ahead. I was just going to say, and then they're. Women, uh, one of them being the, the pro- main protagonist, Lysistrata, um, decides to follow that same logic and they withhold sex from their men and it turns into this worldwide phenomenon due to press coverage and everything else where everyone, all the women are starting to do the same thing. Yeah. And things get bigger and more ridiculous and more implausible because of the way it's told like a classical Greek play, but with a modern spin. So, like, the the structure of everything, this is not necessarily an easy movie to watch, especially if you're not prepared for that. And I know, Pat, you can speak to that. <laughs> or uh, maybe he can't. Would you like me? Oh, I, 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 yeah, no, go ahead. I, I mean, let was, you continue whatever you, whatever you were saying. Um, okay, first of all, I went into this movie not having a clue what it was going to be about. I didn't know. The only thing I knew was that, that Q, Cusack had a role in it. Um it started off, and I I didn't underst- I didn't realize at first, you know, the cadence and the way they were talking was was a stylistic choice, and it was, you know, and and when I, I looked up on IMDb to find out a little bit more about it, and I realized what was going on, I'm like, oh okay. So I tried to watch it again, and I stopped it after a while again because I was just like, I'm just not into this. It's just not doing anything for me. I don't want to watch this whole movie, and I and I forced myself to get back and watch it. I watched the whole movie, and the problem that I have with this movie is the same problem that I have with most Spike Lee movies is the fact that he just he doesn't understand subtlety. He never has. And I think satire is always best when it's handled with a with not not kid gloves, but with uh with subtlety. I mean it if you smash people over the head with your subtlety, with your with your message, with your satire, it, you're you're gonna you're gonna lose because people are just gonna tune out. Like the the entire scene with the colonel or general or whatever he was, you know, in the bedroom when she's seducing him and tying him up and everything. It's just, oh, General King Kong. Yeah, I mean that was just a ridiculous scene in in so many ways. And I know he's trying to be more over the top, but it's just one of those things where he's losing his message because. I personally think that that the message that he was the, the message that movie was trying to convey is a is an, a great message and it should definitely and it should not be lost in the shuffle like it was in this movie. 
Well, and I mean, there's something to be said for this is an important message and it has to be said loudly. And I, I agree. But, but they're, 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 they're 100% losing their target audience with the system I mean, of delivery that they're, that they're doing. Who do you think is their target audience? Because it sure as hell isn't us. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're trying to appeal to the people that are actually doing the gangbanging and get them to stop, they're not going to watch this movie. Well, that's a fair uh, criticism, and this is one that I, I remember I had the same criticism of uh, the new remake of The Great Gatsby, where I enjoyed the hell out of both films, but I kind of questioned while I was watching is like, I like these, but who was this made for? Yeah. Right. I mean, this this just feels to me like a vanity project for Spike Lee, where he can just be like, you know, I feel like I'm doing something, sending out the right message. I was like, yeah, you're sending out the right message, but it's the wrong way. Well, right. And even though uh, John Cusack's character is a supporting role, he has one of the biggest scenes in the film. Uh, yeah, his, that, that, yeah, his, his uh, well, not eulogy. really his, his, his eulogy. Yeah, yeah, it's his eulogy, his sermon at the funeral of the murdered girl. Yeah, and uh, his character, Father Mike Corden, is directly based on the actual Father Michael Flieger, who is very active. Uh, same deal. Born on the South Side, went into the priesthood, decided, this is where I have to take my message. This is where Christ took his. And uh, his sermon, uh, very powerful, awesome scene. But again, I, I, I mean, it was a great scene. But again, it's just one of those things where it shows how you can get all the people pumped up all you want, but they're—I mean—that's not going to change things. You right. can, you can, you can get all the fervor together that you want when everybody's together, but when they're by themselves, they're not going to stick to that. He he made a, a movie for us that is supposed to be speaking to the people of the inner city, and somehow I don't know if it just he was trying to convey the message a different way or whether he was doing that intentionally have it cross different platforms and he, he he the very end of the movie he made it very clear what the point in the movie was i mean it was it, it was very heavy-handed which is yeah it's, i mean like everything spikely it's very heavy-handed and a, a lot of spikely yeah well yeah okay everything is that was definitely a, a wide brush but i'm i'm not a spikely fan overall i mean there are just there are ways to handle certain things and i just don't think that this movie did a very good job because and also just besides even the message just the straight up acting I mean, it's a tough road to try to do any kind of old school, um, Shakespearean type language, very flowery language and make it sound genuine. And that's the problem I, you know, the problem I have with a lot of actors is when they say the words in the script, it sounds like they're saying words in a script instead of well, like words yeah. out of their own, you know, soul or whatever. And that's what I felt this entire movie. It's like they spent all their time memorizing the lines and the moves and everything that they pretty much lost the soul of the movie. See, and I yeah, disagree with that. Yeah, I think that it was, uh, like you said earlier, a stylistic choice where them falling into verse was this is a play. We are showing this as a play and uh, we're not going to condescend to uh, our audience by saying that uh, we're not smart enough to appreciate something that is from ancient Greece and has this sort of structure. And uh, I, I, I thought it was effective because it was so stylized. I, I, I get you, even though I don't 100% agree that uh, it was heavy handed, but I enjoyed the put on nature of it and thought it made the whole piece more powerful. I just so, thought it spent a little too much time romanticizing the gang life before it tore it down. 
Well, Joel, you were trying uh, to get in there. No, I was just going to say that. I mean, having uh, the three of us having met doing Shakespearean style drama, well, comedy in that case. I mean, we know coming from that history that it's not easy to take those words that a lot of times don't necessarily make sense in modern the way we talk. But if you can take it and put the emotion into it that belongs to it, I, I think that's that a challenge. Entire, the only person in the entire movie I thought really did that truly was Samuel Jackson. Oh, See, he and did I, it well. And I, I thought that uh, Nick Cannon, when he slipped into verse, was fine. Um, uh, Tiona Paris, who played Liz Estrada, she was gorgeous, fine. by the way. Just absolutely stunning. What? Yeah, he, said, we she's lost gorgeous. Um, Tayona Paris, uh, she, uh, seemed natural when she slipped into the verse. Um, I, see, I just, I didn't think, I didn't think she was, but I didn't mind. See, I thought everybody that was, sure. was in it did a really, really good job of taking something that was not easy to say and putting the appropriate emotions and actions to go with like, it. The specific scene that made me stop watching it the first time was, uh, the scene between Angela Bassett and, um, the main character. I can't think of her name. Lissa Strada? Yeah. And, um, I just, I don't know, it just, it just felt very stilted, and I was just like, ugh, no thanks, stopped. That was the first So, time. did you enjoy it, Joel? I mean, we kind of heard from Pat and me, obviously. <laughs> oh, we, we've declared our, I, I really enjoyed this. I, I'm going to fall some, well, I'm going to fall somewhere in the middle, leaning more towards your side, Josh, just because enjoying that style and appreciating Spike Lee's work uh, on the whole, I I thought it, I, I really found myself involved for the entire film, start to finish. And even though it was heavy handed and it felt a little bit forced at times, it's, I think it conveyed the message it was supposed to. I just, like I said, I don't know who it's for. So it sure. felt like it's more for our audience. But at the same time, something you said, one of you said earlier, you, you're, if you want to get to that audience, you want to also not dumb it down for them. You know, if, if that's, they, you, you're elevating them to the fact that they, they, you know, maybe that's what they're into. Maybe they get, Maybe they like that sort of thing. I don't know. And they're going to get it just as much as we are. Well, and there are some parallels between the rhyming sort of style that you might find in an ancient Greek play and modern rap music. And a hundred percent. I, I th also, uh, uh, what was pointed out to me, uh, after we finished this by Sarah, my wife, she was like, how hard was this movie to make for Jennifer Hudson, who actually lost somebody to violence on Chicago right. Southside? Right. Yeah. Her, oh. her son, uh, what was it? Mother and son? I think they both got shot. Well, and that's another reason that I, you know, I felt like the actors involved were, um, investing themselves in it and taking the words and bringing them to life in an emotion and emotionally and physically. And I thought she was one of those people that embodied that. And I just never got emotionally invested in this movie. So available on Amazon to, Prime. I really did want to. I wanted to get into it. I just didn't. Yeah. I understand why it was controversial, but I, I enjoyed the heck out of this one. Yeah, I agree. I don't know that I would watch it again, but I really enjoyed seeing it. All right, then. <laughs> is Mike asleep yet? <laughs> Mike, Mike is here. Mike did not see the movie. <laughs> Let you guys go. Now, uh, we are in 2016. He is coming out with uh, Cell, which is going back to uh, the 20, 2014, 20, what was the name of the movie, Josh? 2012. Uh, yeah, 2012. Well, this is uh, based on no, the 2006 no. novel I'm by sorry. Stephen King. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm looking back to Stephen King, 1408. Where he plays a hitman in jail. Yes. Uh, <laughs> no, this Jeremy one. Piven. Yeah. <clears throat> and a no. boombox. This one, uh, he is a New England artist, and a mysterious signal kicks over the global cell phone network and starts turning people into vicious animal animals. 
uh, kind of like a zombie-esque type movie, I'm guessing. Well, yeah, Cell was, a, Cell was a pretty big book when uh, Stephen King came out with it uh, back in 06. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. It's after a lot of people feel Stephen King's best work was sort of behind him. This is one of his big hits in terms of books. So uh, I haven't read the book. I'm looking forward to seeing the movie and we'll probably read the book before it comes out. Definitely. All right. <clears throat> so going back, are we on this conversation? Are we all still fans of uh, John Cusack? Where do we sit on the scale? I I still like him. Yeah. I, I mean, I yeah, it's okay. I celebrate his entire catalog. I love Cusack. Yeah. Always have, always will. Yep. Same here. So uh, next week we are doing the X Files show. About damn time. I well, we've spent. A, I mean, we've been on the air for two and a half years now. We've been trying to find a reason to do an X Files show, and trying to you know, we talked for a long while about doing a a show that was uh, X Files versus Fringe, which would be awesome, but would involve watching. You know, for those of you who haven't seen all of Fringe, and you know, I think all of us have seen all of X Files, but I mean, it's it would be very uh, viewing yeah. intensive. Yeah, yeah. Once we seen heard. It. I, was gonna say, I haven't seen all of them, uh, the original X-Files. I've seen probably a third of them. Uh, once we heard they were doing a basically a new mini season of six episodes, we we're like, okay, this is perfect. And uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the new season of six episodes and the classic show on Fox back in the 90s. Right. So uh, next week is going to be the X-Files show. And if you're looking to catch any of our older shows, they are filling up rapidly uh, in reverse on uh, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher, and TalkShoe. And coming soon, eventually, come on, Google, Google Podcasts. But uh, if you're looking for our shows and you have a podcast aggregator or a podcast app, just punch in 40 going on 14 and we'll pop up. Uh, if you also want to give us a call and see... Uh, you know, if we have an idea for a show or want to give some commentary or, you know, like Charlie just maybe want to yell at us, uh, call us at 708-NOW-RAP. That's 708-669-9727. I want my $4. <laughs> $2. No, it's been in, in it's inflation. Inflation. Oh, it's $4 okay. now. Yeah. yeah. Grandma got high and kidnapped a full of penguins. So, uh, movies just released this week. See, you know, three beers is good, one bottle of wine is not. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing, and now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the Fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.